What's up, everybody? Another episode of The Straight Cut coming to you from West End Cigars inside the Members' Lounge. I am Aaron. And this is Mark. Mark, what is next to cigars? What is our, our most favorite thing in the it's, world? It's actually more my... Is it, is it, is it the most? more favorite. Honestly, I, I gotta fucking agree. Yeah. So what is, what is our number one passion, love? Music. Music. And Damn straight. Man, and we are excited to have on, you know, the... Frontman of Radiator King, a band that we just well, found out through Nick Gervais, who we're really excited about. Yeah. We, have, we have Adam Silvestri on tonight. How are you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be here with you, dude. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a cool thing that you guys run, and I'm proud to be here talking with you guys tonight. Yeah, yeah we are. You know, we are so excited about this because, like, you know, we we talk about music all the time. It's it's part of the the reoccurring bit on our show that is, you know, cigar oriented first, but it's, you know, music has, if not more of an aspect on some shows, this one is going to be a heavily music episode Yes, and we are totally fucking fine with that. And hopefully everybody else is with that, but it is a cigar podcast first. Sure. So I'll say what we are having tonight. We are having the, um, the Avo Ritmo, uh, torpedo, right? He's uh, Avo, uh, Argesian, right. Mm -hmm. Um, is a, was a jazz, Jazz guy. A, j- a jazz guy. Yeah. Yep. And so we picked this because it has a music tie-in and mm-hmm. all of his cigars, uh, he's passed recently, but all of his cigars always had a music tie-in. Yeah. So, uh, I so met like, him. He was. Oh yeah. You actually met him. Yeah. yeah. He was a big music guy. So uh, we picked this cigar because it has a music tie-in. And the Ritmo. Look at us being clever. And the, and the Ritmo like loosely translates to like chaos and that's what jazz kind of is it's controlled yeah. chaos and yeah. then and it deals with the blend because there's seven different tobaccos in this yeah. cigar we'll talk about that later on maybe i don't maybe. know maybe not we'll just talk about music i'm actually so. looking forward to talking music. <laughs> let me let me just throw this out there now i don't know shit about cigars that's talk right. about music all night don't know a goddamn thing about cigars i think i've smoked three times in my life and I can't remember, you know, them ending. So we're not uh, we're not going to lean on you for the cigar stuff. We're going to let you on a little secret. We're not that great at cigars either. Aaron's a little better than I am. Um, but we're fake we're, it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Um, we're definitely yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We're going to lean on you for the music stuff. And uh, we were on with Nick. I'm game. We uh, we actually it's got to be about forty episodes ago. But I ask you. If, well, because of the stupid million dollars buck question. Oh, yeah, the final question. Yeah. yeah and I actually ask you if, if you had to give up cigars or music for the rest of your life, <laughs> what would you give up? Oh, it was cigars without missing a beat. Yeah. And both of us said uh, the one thing we could not do without in our, our lives in, of those two was music. Yeah. I mean, I listened to like 12 different albums today. I mean, it's just how do you have that kind of time? Well, I was I, on 15. Uh, uh, Zoom calls because today. I, I mean I'm in my wood shop all day long from I, six until I, whenever. The record, so it's just like headphones are in. I listened in. to one album today, but I listened to it twice. It was a really good album. But uh, I wonder, I wonder whose it was. It was it was a, it was a guy <laughs> I like to think of as the Radiator King. Um, and uh, so and I was preparing for this podcast, and I, I, I actually had a really rough morning, and I listened to it over lunch, and I thought, man, so this we album we actually good. so. So we'll we'll get Thanks, into Mark. your we'll get into your album here shortly. But we I I did listen to it. I just came back from our other shop in Conway, listened to it on the way back just to yeah. refresh again. And my wife, she wanted me to tell you she absolutely loved it. She is yeah. from LA. She's a you know, she's a music wow. she's a music person at heart. She's, she's she was a, like, Oh my god, this reminds me of Tim Armstrong so much. Oh wow. So that is <laughs> right on, man. So that is her like she's a bigger geek than you and I combined. 
I, she has seen well, some amazing people. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, that, but when you you know when you grow up in L.A., yeah, I mean her her favorite show was, I think was like the Pixies and and uh, like uh, wow. Bad Religion and something else. I mean, it's there just you go. Um, yeah. Okay, wow. Cool. Yeah, Bad Religion. What what it been? <laughs> I love I love like band, all those SST bands. I'm a huge fan of those. Like uh, you know, they're all since around L.A. Like you got Minutemen. I love the Minutemen. Mm-hmm. The Meat Puppets. So we're signed oh, to SST for puppets. a while. They, yeah. <laughs> they they had an awesome scene out there. They were from like Nevada or something like that, but. Yeah. They had a great scene out there, but yeah, there's some great music come out. I'm sure she saw some amazing shows yep. um, out that way. Yep. Black Flag. Black Flag. Now, Black Flag is one of those that I got into huge um, because they were hitting about the time I was in college. So I always liked Rollins' band a little bit more. Yeah, who didn't? Did you really? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think I was, when I was young, I, I read Get in the Van, and that just like changed my life because I was, uh, I was pretty young when I read it. And I, I don't know if you guys ever read that book, but it's basically Henry Rollins um, brought a diary, wrote a diary when he was on tour with Black Flag, and those those tours were relentless. And he yeah. just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and it's just brutal. It's like brutal honesty, but it, it really got to the heart of what that band was and what they were dealing with. And it's pretty. It blew me away. So, He's one of those. Guys. I don't know if anyone out there. Is when you think about Black Flag, because I mean, you think about their music, and it was, I mean, they're they're intense and serious and fairly dark and all those things that black flag was. Um, he's one of those guys who's a lot deeper than you. I mean, you would, he's a, just a lot deeper guy than you would have uh, imagined. One right? of the best things I've ever seen concert wise was when Rollins came to little rock for a spoken word tour. Yeah. That shit was amazing. He didn't need anything behind him. It was just him and just talking spoken word. It was, you wow. know, I mean, kind of comedy aspect, but it was just yeah. straight up like, I mean, it, I wouldn't, it wasn't like slam poetry, but it was just like, it was Rollins raw. That's what was so oh. good. So, so he's such an intelligent guy. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. What's up? No, no, it, that's exactly right. He's, he's one of those guys you hear talk about issues or you hear talk about his life and you think, okay, you just honestly, you surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause you think a lot yeah, of those guys. Exactly. Don't. I'm always surprised when I hear that guy talk. He's a lot. He's deep and he's broad and uh-huh. he's all those things. He's a good actor too. I like. I like a lot of his stuff. Yeah. He he acts in. So. Yeah. So so he is great actually. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you? I mean, you, you know, you've been in music for a while because I know you've got several albums out. Where did you start? Where where'd your love for music start? You know, give me give me a, a you know where did where did this all start? You did you didn't start with the Unborn Ghost album. I know you've been out there for a while. Where did your love for music start and uh, well, I mean, just getting into music, you know, uh, I, I have to thank my older brother for that. I think anyone is really, really into music. There was always that older person in their life, whether it was an uncle or dad or, or whatever, who, who was were feeding them albums. And um, and that for me was my brother. I was always, you know, he was always turning me on to new bands. I was listening to Fugazi when I was like, you know, in sixth grade. Wow. Um, you know, even before that, I was listening to some classic rock stuff and. So I, I got a guitar when I was around like eight years old. And I think, um, if I can remember, it was like Jimmy, was seeing like Jimmy Page up on stage, you know, watching some live videos of him and just being like, I have to figure this out. Whatever this is, it's going on. I didn't understand it, but I wanted to understand it. Yeah. I was like, this is powerful. Whatever this is, I need to figure this out and, and chase it down. So we got a guitar and, you know, I just started playing. Just started uh, learning stuff on it. 
And then uh, I'd say like when I, when I wrote like my first song was when I became obsessed with it because up until that point, I was kind of just noodling around, you know, learning the chords, learning other people's songs. And when you're that young, you don't really understand certain concepts. You don't understand that like, you know, you don't, I didn't put together that like a, when you write a song, it's like never been written before. It never existed before. And I remember I was like fiddling around with like trying to learn a Jimi Hendrix song. It was way above my capabilities. And then I played something else and I was like, ah, oh, it was kind of cool, but what was that? And it dawned on me at that point. I was like, I just made that up. Like that, that came from me. That didn't exist before this. And that was just like, that opened up the doors for me. And then I became, I became obsessed with just writing riffs, writing songs. And um, so that's where it really started. Um, and then, you know, I was playing in bands, you know, you, you sort of like, you know, you're in high school, junior high or whatever. You meet some guys that, that just love music like you do. You talk about bands, whatever. I, I used to always wear band shirts. And uh, so, uh, you know, you'd see, you know, the one other guy in, in your high school with like, you know, Mr. Shirt on or something. You're like, ah, that's going to be my friend. And, you know, you find the guys and, you know, they, they want to do something similar or listen to similar music. And then you go into a garage somewhere and you make a bunch of noise. And then, you know, then you got a band, you get your first band and, um, and then the sky's the limit. You make your own rules. Like, you know, I always played like sports, like baseball, and it was always an organized thing where there was a coach and there was teams and there was, you know, tryouts and, and you get picked on a team and it was very organized. And, you know, that was cool. And it was taught me self-discipline. But then there was my world of music, which was like, you create the rules. You, you do everything. You know, you, you want to play a show, go rent a VFW hall out and, you know, get someone to work the door pay the VFW hall 150 bucks, charge five bucks to the door and you can have a show and rent a PA. And you know, and, and you just like learn those things. You learn them from older people that you that show you those things. Um, so, you know, that's where it really started. And um, it just snowballed from there. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be living in a community uh, in Massachusetts, you know, in, in the Boston area where there was always great music scenes, great bands to play with and great bands to go see. And so I've always been fortunate enough to learn from people, uh, you know, really great people uh, that surrounded me. So you, I've been very fortunate about you that. You play the guitar. You're obviously the lead. You sing, right? Yeah. Um, yep. you, you play any other instruments? I mean, you, you, um, I assume on this album, you're the lead guitar player. I, it looked look like that's what it said. And, and you're the, the singer on all of that. So any other instruments, um, like that's not enough. Like, like, uh, <laughs> you play the harmonica. Oh, no, no. So, yeah, yeah. So what I, so, uh, I guess I, I should put this out there is that, uh, you know, I play under the name radiator King because, you know, my ideal situation is that I always have a band, but that's sort of a revolving door. There's guys yeah. that come and guys that go, um, you know, when you're playing original music and you're touring the country, I tour a lot and, and out of the country as well. So, uh, you can't uh, playing original music in bars does not pay well. You know, if you're a cover band, they pay you tons of money. But when you're playing your own original music, uh, it does not pay well. So if you want to get like good musicians, like serious musicians, um, you know, who try to do this for a living, um, you just can't pay them what they ought to be making. Um, so, you know, that said, the guy, I have a big pool of great musicians that I draw from that come with me on the road, go in the studio but sometimes they just can't go um, in a specific time because they need to stay home and work or whatever, you know? So, um, so there's always a revolving door of, of good friends and great musicians that will come with me on the road. Cause they love that. That's what they want to be doing. 
but you know, there's a reality of life and that doesn't always afford you to do whatever you want to do. Um, and then when I can't afford to bring anyone out with me, I go by myself with just acoustic guitar and a harmonica and I play my songs that way and, and they sound a lot different, but you know, it works. And, um, yeah, but getting back to your question about the other, uh, other instruments, um, I play piano a bit. I write on the piano a bit. I, I wouldn't say I'm good enough to like play a show and perform on the piano. Um, I play some bass. I make my, I make my demos. I always start by writing songs and making like rough demos. Um, and then showing, you know, the other musicians what I've made. So I'll play the bass and play some drums, uh, and piano, but I wouldn't consider myself, you know, uh, good at any of those other instruments. But you can so play them. That's yeah, kind of I mean, where I'm at. You're ahead of us, right? So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to judge that because it, it's the song Madame Marie, right? Where you, there's a, it's a piano. Um, and is that you playing the piano? Cause I'm fascinated. Cause you, did you, you wrote all the songs on this album, right? I mean, these are your, your tunes, right? You wrote them. For, That's right. Yeah. Um, and I'm fascinated with the variety of tune or I don't tunes, not the right word, but the style of the songs on this album, because you have, um, uh, for example, on the mountain, which is a which is a big sort of song, right? With all the um, the backing vocals and the instrumentation and all that, and then yeah. um, immediately followed by Madame Marie, which is this um, I don't want to say quiet, but this piano tune, which is a which is a folky piano song. Um, is that you playing piano on that song? I love the variety. The variety is amazing. That's what I that is, love in an album. That. Is, that- Right on, man. And that's why we were talking earlier. You love the Clash. I love the Clash, and that's one of the reasons. That's we'll, we'll get more into that yeah. later on. But uh, that's one of the reasons what the Clash taught me is that, like you know, you didn't have to just settle for like you know, this is punk rock. You learn three chords, and that's all you can do. Like right. you know, there's not a box around you. The sky's the limit. Whatever you are into, go yeah. go fucking do it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Wherever your curiosity leads you. Just, yeah. Go figure it out and figure out you want to do that, you know. And the Clash taught me that because they were doing, they were playing like reggae, yeah. rockabilly, punk. You know, <laughs> they had some ballads, you know. And so, like, that was the first band that really taught me just do whatever the fuck you want, and everyone can go screw off. You know what I mean? Right. And um, so, you know, well, first of all, that's a, a guy named Shaul Shet on piano. He's a great friend of mine, amazing musician. I wrote that song, I think, on the acoustic guitar, and okay. um, and showed him the chords and then he played it on the piano. Um, so that song, you know, that's not me playing piano. Okay. Um, I couldn't play the piano that well. So that, that's what um, I was going to ask you. Like, um, so it, you, but, you wrote the lyrics, but you had help like with the, the, with the musical composing with your, you know, your no, 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 no. I arranged, I arranged it all. Okay. Um, what he's doing is just, so, you know, there's the chords, right? Yeah. But then there's like, uh, and I'll, I'll, um, I think how it went with that particular song was I sat with Shul, who's who knows a lot more like theory and stuff than I do. You know, I don't, I didn't go to music school. I don't know that. I just know, you know, the things that I know and the other stuff. You know, hopefully the other guys can pick up the slack. So I played him the song that I wrote, which is the song you hear, and um, and you know, all the chords are written, the arrangements written, and then um, we probably you know accompanied each other at first. I think where I play, you know, it on the acoustic guitar and sang, and then he starts to play the piano along with it. And then he starts to pick out pieces of my melody to throw in, like, that introduction, you know what I mean? And I was just, like, somewhere along the line, I, I don't know, I'm kind of, like, in, 
kind of assuming this is what happened. We were like, you know what? Let's take out the guitar and just keep this like piano and vocals. And then we did that. And that, that ended up being the best version. You know, we, yeah. we try like mon- multiple versions of the song to see what like, you know, what, what version of the song will have the most impact. You know, yeah. there was a point in doing this, when you when you realize that you wanted to you chase it down and do it full time and quit your shitty job yeah. and and really embark upon it, you start like getting involved with the music industry. And I'll tell you, there was one point in doing that became very discouraged because promoters and um, you know people trying to promote your music, they say it doesn't fit into a specific genre, and yeah. and they tell you this and it's discouraging. They're like, no shit, that's because like it's it's not a specific genre and I'm not trying to create that. And like, well, it's hard to sell that, you know, and it's just very frustrating, but then you have to look to the guys, you have to look beyond that to like guys like Tom Waits and and the clash. And and you have to realize like even Bob Dylan too, and Neil Young and like, all right, like look to those guys. Those those, those are my heroes. Like they, they didn't listen to this bullshit. This is just some guy that knows about selling, but doesn't know about art. So just like look beyond that. And, and stay focused on what you're trying to do. So, well, and, um, and, so that's and, what, what it is. And the best way to put it is the, you know, is the bio on your Spotify, you know, somewhere between punk and blues, a yeah. porch and an alley lies the radiator King. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the, that is one of the best ways to describe, like you can't, like you said, you can't put your music in a box. Yeah. It's a Venn diagram where things overlap everything yeah. else. But like, uh, like the way your album is, the very first song sounds exactly different. Like the last song, the first, the first couple of chords, the beats, I mean, it's pounding, it gets you going, but then like the last song, it has that almost that country feel that, uh, that Bob Dylan esque kind of that, just that sound. And that, you know, some of my favorite bands, all their fucking songs sound the same and that's fine, but it's (laughs) nice to have, but but it's awesome whenever you can have it, like a, 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 the musicianship show, You know, it is a it's a it's a radiant. It starts on one end, ends on another total different plane. Yeah, yeah there's well, yeah, the funny part is three right. years ago today it was a Route ninety one. Yeah. Sam Hunt on this very night was giving a speech. You neither one of you guys are gonna know who Sam Hunt is. Sam Hunt's a country rap guy. He's not my favorite guy. So just so you know my <laughs> is, is that called is that hip hop? Is that it's hip hop. It okay. Paula likes him, my wife likes him because he's hot, apparently. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what's, your, what's your take? Is he is he attractive? Uh, here's what I know. Is he some eye candy? That night, twenty two thousand women were screaming his name out, <laughs> taking her clothes off. But he said, he's "Doing something right, yeah. right? He's doing something right. He's making a ton of money." He said, "People before us listened to one generation because that's the way one yeah. type of music because that's what it was on the radio." So we grew up listening to a bunch of stuff because we had access to computers and we had access to a bunch of different types of music. Things blended together. If I sound like a dump, bunch of different things, it's because I was influenced by a bunch of different people, and that's the way I sound. And he said that that night, and I, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of his. It's, it's a whatever, but he said that, and I I think that's true. You think about a lot of the artists now, and it is a it is a mashup of a lot of different things because we heard a lot of different things. We didn't just hear country, or right. we didn't hear classic rock. We heard all of it. Cause we had access to it and we liked all of it because we picked the best of all of it to listen to. We liked, you know, like you said, listening to classic rock, but we also listened to the clash. We listened to the pixies. We listened to everything because we had access to it and it was great. We listened to early U two cause that was awesome. We listened to all those things. Awesome. Great yeah. 
we listened to all those things because we had access to it. I mean, I, you know, I was listening right. to your albums. I like making artist comparison. That sounds like, boy, I really like that vibe. That has a great, I think a couple of your songs on here have a great Gary Clark Jr. vibe on it, which who's a great blues guitarist, a young. Uh, great man. Yeah. He's, thank you. Yeah. And a couple of those he's songs, great. I think your voice and that guitar, boy, you have that vibe. And I think that's, <clears throat> but then you instantly slide into one of my favorite guys, Jason Isbell, who's like alt country, like really heartfelt. And I, and I think, wow, look at that on the same album. You know, you got two of my favorite artists ever. And so that's the kind of thing that happens now that used to never happen. I mean, as much as I like like Waylon Jennings or Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin always sounded like Led Zeppelin because that's what it was. Right. I'm not dissing them. Well, well, thanks, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Mark. Though That means a lot, man. And, I'll tell you one one thing that comes to mind when you say stuff like that, and, and I agree with all of it, is that you know one thing I, I can't remember who who said it. It was it was some guitar player when I was younger. It may have been like Stevie Ray Vaughan, or maybe it was like Jeff Beck, or I, I don't remember who it was. But I remember them saying something about if you really want to learn, find your favorite guitar player, find your favorite band, find what they listen to, and then if you want to go deeper. Find what they listen to, and it will bring you back to the core of what you're trying to figure out. Yeah. And you know, and then you start to get to, and and, and that gave me because you know, there's no blueprint when you're trying to like find your style or or find you know what you want to play for music. There's no there's no lesson plan, right? It's it's a free for all, and so you're looking for any sort of direction. Can you look to those guys, guys like God? So you you're looking in interviews for direction to where to go next and, and, and where this journey is going to take you. And so he said that, and then it, it sent me down like a hole to like, you know, Howlin' Wolf and like Sunhouse. And then going back to that old country blues, which is like, you know, the origin of, of the music, you know, and then you start to see the connection between like, you know, Jason Isabel and like, you know, um, I don't know, like uh, some of those guys like Skip James or something, you know what I mean? You start to see those, like oh he was influenced by that guy too he did the same thing that I did he went back to the core and he found those like things and they they influenced him and so that's a cool thing to see when you can like start to relate and and also to say like I'm not directly connected to this person but through going back to like uh, some sort of tradition in music whether it be like Woody Guthrie or something you 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 came out on the other side like you know a good connection is like you, you mentioned you too like you too had a lot of connections to the clash they didn't sound like the clash but their approach to how they want to um portray their sound it was very much influenced by the clash especially yeah. early on you know yeah. but they don't sound like that well, yeah. one, of, one of the things that i i started doing here recently was if i find a band that i really like and they only they were only around for a short amount of time for, you know a year or two one album you know i don't try to find other songs or or artists that sound like them i i've started looking at who produced it because if i like that That's producer a great idea. if i like that producer yeah then that producer has probably done other you know other albums with another sure. band so that's what i've started 
you know, we, we talk about, um, uh, Rick Rubin, you know, yeah. if you like a lot of the bands, you know, that Rick Rubin does, you're, I mean, just follow, yeah. you know, follow the golden brick road. What else has Rick Rubin done? Everything. And, you know, and you, might find, yeah, you, <laughs> might, you might find something else, Yeah, but that, but it's like, I mean, it, there's, there's, there's the people behind the, you know, the, the second tier that you don't yeah. really think of yeah. that if you really like this one band, but, Oh fuck, they only had one album. Right. Look into who helped produce that album, and they've probably done something else yep. that you might like as well. Yeah, we were one of the early yeah. albums I gave Aaron was the Boomtown Rats, and I think if you combine the Clash with the Boomtown Rats, you end up with U two. Even though the sounds aren't there, but U two, I agree with you about their influence from the Clash. In uh, early U two, I'll get a lot of people turn up their nose about the later U two stuff, which I still love. But the early U2 that one stuff, fucking album that it came on Apple, that's just God, like you're I, still bitter I still can't that. get How it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you're not very smart. And but that early U2 <laughs> stuff was so significant. I mean, I grew up with that stuff on college radio. When people, the REM stuff, the yeah. U2, the yeah. Pixie, REM stuff, so good. Oh, REM that early uh, REM period, but that early REM stuff was so significant, and I, I don't think people understand that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, I, I I agree completely. I think Fugazi was a big band that I learned that from. God, also, Fugazi, so and I was getting good. into Fugazi. Yeah, and they're all they're awesome. I I got into them before I actually got into a lot of grunge music, and then it, like even like the Pixies, I was I was listening to like uh, Repeater before I actually ever got Surfer Rosa, and I was like, damn, like yo, this is like they were listening to Fugazi, like and and, and made me realize at a young age how important Fugazi was. And I was like. Why the hell don't more people know about this band? It was going to be crazy. It is weird. Sometimes the building blocks are not as appreciated as, as what, was, what came afterwards. Because what came afterwards builds bigger, right? But, um, right, right. It is strange. So what, you know, we, we've talked a lot about influences, but what, what are your, you know, what are your big, you know, we, you know, turning, we always ask what's your top five cigars, but I'm not going to ask that. So what are your top five? Cause, <laughs> Cause I'm going to guess you don't have top five cigars. What are your top five? Your <laughs> not yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe after tonight I will. Yeah. Now, what are your top five, uh, guitar players, artists, bands? What, what are the ones you're on a desert Island? What are the, what are the artists, bands, albums you're going to, you're going to have to have with you to listen to? What 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 are those those influences or those those artists that you're gonna that are the biggest for you? Um, I all right. Let's let's start with like like number one. I would say let's let's just hit it off with the Clash. And I would say the album I would uh, pick from them is London Calling, and that and, and I, that's probably the one most people would pick. And then yep. um, I just that was like, I think where everything melded together the best with them. It was, you know, the attitude, the musicianship, just like it diverse. They all, you know, the, their drummer was a jazz drummer, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, they all were coming from different places and they combined all this stuff together and they created this album that was, you know, I remember the first time I listened to it up until that point, I was, you know, I was wicked into punk. I was listening to, you know, I used to go, I was fortunate that my older brother was really into like hardcore and punk. And it was really big in the area that I lived. So like we would go into VFW halls to see bands like, you know, the Dropkick Murphys were playing these small shows in VFW halls around the area. So I was in like seventh grade and I was going to see bands like In My Eyes, 10 Yards Fight, Floor Punch, 
uh, you know, even the Jock and Murphy's, uh, the Unseen. And we we go we go see these these shows and they and they were like a little scary in a way and uh, I was just obsessed with it once once I got that taste um, of it from from a young age and so um, you know I I was doing that thing where you know I I love this band what did they listen to what what do they cite as their favorite band and then I'd go and find those bands anybody comics and I would, I would you know buy those CDs and um, and so finally it led me to um, the Clash I think it was like maybe a social distortion. Um, interview I was reading Mike Ness or something and he was talking about his in, the, uh, influence the Clash had on him so I went and got London Calling I remember listening to it and then being very confused I'm like what this is rock. like I didn't understand it and but it was a huge building block for me is like oh they weren't like they were just doing whatever they wanted to with a certain attitude with a certain foundation so that was a huge album for me it still is I, I love that album um, yeah. and then another one I gotta I gotta say next would be like uh, I love Tom Waits and um, and a specific album. I would say Rain Dogs. I'd have to go with Rain Dogs or Mule Variations, but I'd say Rain Dogs first. And and that that was just like you know, it's like you got to work with the palette that you're given. You know what I mean? Like my voice naturally sounds raspy. I wasn't gonna sound like you know some amazing beautiful singer. I had a gravelly voice, so uh, naturally I was kind of you know. Um, drawn towards people that I could like be like, I can do that. And he was one person, he's a great singer, but he has such yeah. a distinct style. And, and you want to talk about variation on an album. Yeah. He'll do everything from like a speech shanty to a ballad to some sort of like weird tribal thing, you know? And he just, he didn't care. Right. He did not care. He was doing what he was going to do to make good art and everyone could go fuck off. And right. I love that. There was something very, you know, when, when he ended up releasing an album, um, from Epitaph or was it Hellcat Records Epitaph or whatever it was, it made so much sense to me because I was like, you know, here's a guy, this is the this is the punk rock ethos, what this guy's been doing. Yeah. Even though he doesn't go play warp tour or whatever, he is mindset, ethos wise, he is a punk rock dude. So um so Rain Dog is a huge, huge album for me. I still listen to that, I still go back to that all the time. And then I'd have to just say Bob Dylan is up there. Uh, you know, maybe I should even have said that first. Bob Dylan is a huge influence for me. <laughs> And if I was out to pick an album, I would probably say that that's 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 a hard one. But I would probably go with like Free Whalen or The Times They Are Changing. I love his his solo stuff when he's just him and an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Because he was channeling that old blues stuff and he was doing it the way a, a white kid does from you know the Midwest. And I love that the authenticity of that. He created his own thing. He didn't try to replicate what they were doing. He synthesized it into like what Bob Dylan was. And it's just, it's just amazing stuff. Yeah. And let's see, after that, I would go with, was what are we on those? Three? You wanted five, yeah, right? Five. Fuck, five. Give us one, ten. three. Give yeah. us 10. I don't give a shit. Yeah, five would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. Well, uh, well we're going to be here all night. If we do 10, you're not going to have any other podcast. We're going to have nothing else we're going to talk about. Yeah. We're going to talk about 10 albums, no yeah. cigars. Yeah. Nothing about my album, which is yeah. fine with me. But, uh, uh, so then five. I'd have to say, um, after that, I would say, let's see. First three are killer. Tom Waite is. Oh, I got, I got you. I got, I, I got a great one right here. Okay. This is like a, maybe a, a, a one that's a little less known that people don't know so much. That was huge for me. Uh, Reverend Gary Davis, Harlem street singer. Oh. Now this was blind is a blind guy, blind Reverend Gary Davis. Now, uh, 
I found him, I think it was through like a buddy of mine. It was going to Berkeley and, and, and I was like living vicariously through him. And I was like getting all the music that he was learning and just like listening to it all. And, um, and this guy was just blew me away. He's probably my favorite guitar player. His finger work, like this is where I really started to like play with my fingers, like to le- really learn, like digging into finger style picking. Um, and uh, it's just incredible. It's one guy with a guitar and he's just, he, he has a song called Death, uh, Death Don't Have No Mercy uh, in this world. And it's just one of the most heart-wrenching songs. It's probably one of the best pieces of music I've ever heard. And um, okay. he's, he's incredible. And so... I know what I'm listening but to. But he's definitely very, really, really important one for me. Cool. Yep. Harlem Street Singer, man. Yeah, and you're, when you hear that, you're going to be like, oh my God, there's so many, like, you're going to hear a Gary Clark a Jr. in that. You're going to hear so many other people, you know, Jason Isabel, you're going to hear that. And you're going to hear so many people that would just, awesome. like, revere this guy. He, you know what's cool about him? Is that he actually, you know, he was so poor in his life that he actually gave music lessons in Harlem for a long time. And there was people that learned from him that actually give, like, you know, online tutorials now about his, his music and like, oh, I learned this from him. And then they have a whole career just because they took lessons from him from at one guy. particular time in New oh. York City. Um, yeah, from this guy. And then I'd say, uh, man, I, I would have to go with like uh, Last one. Neil you Young, I'd, I'd say Harvest. Which one? You're Neil right. Young, Harvest. Okay. Neil Young, so, so a couple I, I want to call out, in particular Tom Waite, who is underappreciated. And I think you're you're correctly categorizing him as having the punk attitude, but not necessarily being traditional punk. I think is is dead on. Neil Young is to me one in the in the point about Dylan being so authentic is true. Good music is authentic. That's what it is. It, it, you may or may not like it, yep. but if it's not authentic, you, most people aren't going to like it because it's not you, right? It can be pop and it, some of that stuff can last for five minutes, but it doesn't last forever. Like Bob Dylan's going to last forever. Yeah. Um, but uh, Neil Young is one of those right. guys, right? He's just, he, re- he wrote from his heart. Sometimes it pissed people off. Right. Um, but uh, it was, it was what he, what he was thinking at the time. Those are Those are good five ones. You want to, want to go through the albums now? I'd, l- I'd like to talk about uh, the albums. I think that'd be a good, yeah. Good right now before, because I want to ask questions about writing songs. I, this, yeah, let's, let's, that's uh, the let's, black art that I I find fascinating as somebody who digs music. But I want to I want to talk about the albums first. Right. What, what order do you want to go in, Aaron? So let's do yours. Um, you, you gave me Eric Church. Okay. Um, my phone is acting all uh, jacked up right now, Mister Misunderstood. Mis- so so just so Adam can hear this because you don't know. Because Adam doesn't know. Eric Church is my guy. I'm I'm a widely varied music guy, as I've already described myself as a punk rock guy, as a classic rock guy, as a country music guy. I've seen Eric Church maybe ten times, um, and uh, and so I'm I'm a, I like sort of outlaw country as my um, sort of default position. I love. We were supposed to get Jason Isbell um, this summer at, in Little Rock, uh, followed the following week by Jamie Johnson. And uh, COVID hit, and I am still pissed because those are two of my favorite guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm the big. I'm going to start the second part of this by how much I uh, miss live music, yeah. and I'm sure oh, you're, oh you're you are just crushed by that as well. But uh, so Eric Church is my guy. So what do you think, Aaron? So this toes the line of On, bro country 
and stadium country. Oh, sure. It toes some- the, it's definitely stadium country. It toes the line of bro, though. But it he does have <laughs> that. He gives that middle finger to Nashville yeah. a lot. Yeah. And you can see why. He never he, wins any awards. You can see why he never wins any awards because right. when when you get when you tell the academy fuck you, yeah, you you're not going to win anything. But yeah. it creates a a big cult following. I mean, you're. I mean, what what do you? You're the the choir church, church choir church choir. Yeah. So this album, um, I liked it better than the other two countries that you gave me. Yes. Yeah. Um, I gave him uh, Jake, uh, Jake Owens, which is beach country, and then Jason Aldean, which is truly bro country. Bro country. Yeah. This one has some. This one has some some okay. some nice ones. Um, I'll I'll name off some of my few before I tell you my favorite one. Uh, Chattanooga Lucy. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Yep. Um, but that was my one. that was my favorite one on the album. That's <sighs> a good, by the way. That's a great live song because his backup singer, who's yes. Joanna Cotton and him, they go back and forth. Um, and she's got big. She makes her presence known. She does. Yep. Um, another one was uh, Knives of New Orleans. Yeah, that's he opens most shows with that. I like that one a lot. Yep. Um, but the one I went with was uh, Kill a Word. Yep. Wow, you picked a number one song. Congratulations! Is that his number one song? Yeah, it's one of his. It's one of his number one songs. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> see, you I like the see, guitar work. On that, I know. <laughs> yes, I like the the way specifically the way it starts. The first yeah, first couple of chords and twenty yeah. seconds or so. Yeah, I like that. But it was it was between that one and Chattanooga Lucid just because yeah. when that when they. Like especially because I listen to everything with my headphones in because I'm in, I have my headphones in all day long. That's right. And so when you can hear it go back and forth between left and right, yeah, I love when I love when music does that because it it yeah. gives that full stadium sound, yeah, in your head. And just whenever she's going back and forth with him, yeah, I like that. But I went with Killer Word just because the guitar, the, work. the guitar work in it was just. So what I the the one thing I don't know is that so that that guitar work is that him or is that his band? It's his band. He's okay. got um he's got two guitar players. He's got um uh and I'm forgetting the guy's first name, Driver, and he's got Jeff Hyde, um, two guitar players that he plays. Okay. Um he plays the acoustic guitars on some of the slower songs. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't play the driving guitars. He okay. can, but I don't think he does. Okay. Um, he, he's an okay guitar player, but he's, he's not, um, he, he's a showman. That's what he is. <clears throat> he is a, he's a vocalist showman. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. I've never seen one of his shows, but you know, people in the lounge have been with you. I mean, we yeah. talked to, we talked yeah. to, uh, 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 shit. Who we talked to Sunday? Who did we talk to Sunday? Yeah. Sunday night back here. Oh, uh, Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, Garrett. You Garrett know, and, and I saw him at Nashville yeah. at, the, at the football stadium with 57,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tell me stories like, and even talking to D, like whenever he sings the boot yeah. song and everybody like. The boot song, these boots. These boots, yeah. And 57,000 people hold up a boot. Um, <laughs> Damn. That's a power concerts. right there. <laughs> yeah, country. It's it's a cult. Um, there's no question about that. And country concerts are sing-alongs, right? So It is. Um, so you, you hear a lot of those things. That's when you talk about anthems, you know, that, 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 you know, that's what a lot, some of those things are. Yep. I personally am drawn and it's not on this album. It's a man who's going to die young. Some of the more introspective, slower mm-hmm. songs. I'm, I'm, a, I'm drawn to those more. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the big anthem stuff is awesome. When you're 57,000 people and you're screaming, you know, I, I mean, I've never, I don't, I I don't know if I'll ever go see one of his shows, but I can see how the crowd 
Oh, it's gets it's a shit ton gets of fun. into that stuff, and yeah. it becomes a giant karaoke session. And they're all gonna be drunk. Oh, we're not just- drunk. That's not true. <laughs> That's simply. That is fake news, my friend. Country folk love their beer, and they love, and I mean. You can't prove they, that. They you don't love, have the receipts to how many they, beers I drank. They they love their pot. I mean, they, they a lot of them won't, won't admit to it. No, but. no, no. That's against the law. You don't smoke pot. That's, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I, have not, I, I refuse to comment directly on that. Yeah. Yes. So, so Adam, we gave you the the albums as well. What did, what was your take on Mister Misunderstood? So I, I uh, so first of all, let me say that it's not something I would normally listen to. Uh, but that said, um, so I always find like a point of reference, like so I'm like, all right, I can. I, I, so one album I've been listening to lately that I've actually, or one guy I've been listening to lately that I'm actually like loving is Sergio Simpson, and oh. so that was kind of like. I kind of like was like, all right, this is sort of in, in this world, and it's just like you said, it's a little more stadiumy. Um, but once I was able to like, you know, sit down, and be like, all right, I'm listening to the whole album. Uh, you know, I, so first of all, I'll, I'll say that his vocal style is not something I was drawn to right away. It might just been the way it was produced. Yep. Um, but once, but the guy can write. Like he had a lot of variation in the album. Yeah. He can definitely write a good song. Um, I, and I gotta say, one of the things I noticed with that album, the organ player was insanely good. And those organ, those organ parts were were awesome. I, I was always following those uh, in every song, really. Um, and like you, Aaron, Chattanooga Lucy was my favorite song. Um, I just had a, a really good feel and a good gospel vibe going on with it. Yeah, yeah. And I almost felt like it was it could have been like a Bill Withers song or something. You know, I, I felt like it had like some cool soul to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then the other song, I, I'd say like the other side of the album, which Mark, you kind of, it sounds like that's kind of what you're drawn to. It's like a sort of like a more emotional ballad. A three-year-old, I thought was a really good song. It was very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was a well-written song. It was, he kept it simple because it didn't need much more than that. And it had a great melody, and I, I I liked that song a lot. It was just it was very it was heartfelt, and it was like uh, it wasn't it was just honest. I, I felt like that yeah. was just he said something that he wanted to say, yeah. and he didn't care if it kind of came off corny or that if anyone was going to give him shit for it, he was going to write that song, and that's that. You know, yeah. and I, I like so, I like the storytelling uh, of of that yeah. song a lot. So he takes a ton yeah. of shit for his vocal style, and yeah. I. I'm not so I um Matt who comes up here who is a big um Chris Stapleton fan and his argument about Eric Church is he's not a vocalist and my answer is he's not the greatest vocalist but he is one of the great songwriters of our time because and I think 3 year olds is an example of that he wrote a simple song that conveyed an idea beautifully and you don't have to wonder about what it means yeah and he wrote it's cut and dry and, and you, neither one of you have heard the song, A Man Who's Going to Die Young. And we're, we're all three guys who lived probably a fairly aggressive life. And it talks about, I'm 36. Lived or living? Living. Okay. Um, and it says, I'm 36. And I'll be honest, at this point, I thought I'd be a burned up piece of metal on the ground. Yeah. But because of your love, I've decided I'd like to live longer. And he's talking about the love right. of his wife at that time. And that song, because... To be honest with you, I went through that. I found my wife later in life. And you you say, you know, that song still, you can hear the emotion in my voice. I hear that song and I weep. Yeah. 
because it perfectly catches a moment in my time where I realized, holy shit, I guess I'm not going to die a drunk at 30, right? And I'm going to have more <laughs> life. Yeah. And it catches that moment and you go, how, how the hell did he know what was in my heart? Right. Uh, that the ability to right. write those songs is, you know, that's hard, right. That to capture that moment, very he's good very good at that. Right. And so that's why I'm drawn yeah. to him. Three-year-old's a good example of that. He, he wrote, like you said, he doesn't really care. And he goes, this is hey, this is my song. There you go. He, he, he wrote the song about the shooting in Vegas. Yeah. And the, and still to this day, that song, why not me? Why did why did somebody who was a fan of his get killed at that shooting in Vegas? And why not me? Because he was there on Friday night. You ever listen to that song? It, it and he wrote it just in one night and played it the next night. To be able to capture a moment wow. a moment like that, um, that's songwriting. That's what it's about, right? And so um, he's that's why I like him. I his I agree with. There are people who go, I can't stand the voice. Yeah. I, and I, I'm not going to argue that point. He doesn't have, he has a Chris Christopherson voice where you just go, eh, I don't necessarily groove on the voice, but I it groove ha- on the songs. It, ha- it, well, has, a, it has its niche. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's, that's one of the things, actually, to be honest, like that's a vocalist that's like really great and, and can have a crazy octave, you know, scale and, and whatever, whatnot. Like I'm not usually drawn to that, and it's, it's yeah. guys like him who have a very like specific style, like Neil Young or Bob Dylan or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. like, like they just kind of do their own thing. The way they talk is the way that they sing, and he does that, and, and it, it's just going to be a type of thing. It's like you um, you're going to have the people that revere it, and it speaks to them, and there's people that can, you know, it doesn't, it does. But but you know what? I I, I guarantee if you ask him, or if you ask any of these, I feel the same way. Um, I'd rather someone feels something, whether it's like, I don't like this or I love this rather than say like, eh, you know what I mean? To someone in the middle, it's like, you want to, you want to affect someone emotionally in some way. If you're going to sing a song, you know, cause that means you, you know, you're doing something unique, you know, for you, I gave you the, okay. So the theme was for me was what I used to listen to at the skate park. Yes. So I gave you rancid, which I, I didn't realize we came up on the 25th anniversary this past week for, if I told you you're old and, and yeah, I'm getting there. Oh God. So much, so much gray. So much gray. So much gray. I, I gave you it looks really red to me, man. <laughs> it's all underneath. Um, and out came the wolves. 25th anniversary was yep. this past week. Um, you know, it's, it's, I haven't listened to a ton of Rancid. I've listened to a ton of this music. Uh-huh. Um, Rancid's not one of those in regular. And I know Adam said that he wore this one out. Um, and I'm fascinated by that. Um, I liked this album. So yes. um, it has... Um, I consider that a win no matter what you fucking choose. Right. I've hated a couple albums. <laughs> I'm still somewhat bitter about the doom metal. That is seriously about four hours I'm not getting back. As somebody who defines themselves as a metal fan... That's album. That's time I'm not getting back. But um, <laughs> I like this album, and I liked a lot of different things. There was um, some variety in this album that I was surprised by. Because uh-huh. to be honest with you, some of the poppy parts of this, like if I was to go, this is not the pop version of this is like I don't want Blink One Eighty Two or whatever. The 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 poppy versions of these type of bands, there wasn't a lot of variety in them, but th- there was some variety here. Um, <clears throat> there was uh, like. Old friend was kind of like, um, was kind of like the Boomtown Rats, yeah. right? There was some some cool stuff in there. There was um, there was some definitely some hard rock and um, punk that I really liked. Um, 
and was pulling up the album because because I liked two of the songs that were together, and I wanted to make sure I got them right. Gosh darn it, show the album. Um, I liked, strangely enough, She's Automatic, um, and it's a straight, straight little punky sort of yeah. two and a half minute, uh-huh. I'd almost call it um, a Ramon song. Yeah. Um, and I... <laughs> Um, and I just kind of dug that <laughs> there wasn't a lot to it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a fucking rocker and I, they're just occasionally what you want is something to kick in the balls and be a rocker. And I like that. Um, I like journey to the East Bay, uh, East Bay. I loved the war's end. There's a ton of good songs on here. Yeah. This is probably their biggest album. Is I mean, it really? I mean, you've got root, you've got time bomb, you got Ruby Soho, you got yeah, uh, like Roots Ruby Radical. I mean, those yeah, are all those like are okay. their, their, those are like their big, yeah. those, those are their um, uh, radio. I mean, those were big in the 95. Really? Like that, that was their biggest ones. Yeah. Okay. I was just married then. So apparently I wasn't listening to the radio. <laughs> um, I liked Old Friend because it all reminded right. me of, uh, of uh, the Boomtown Rats. And I liked it. I thought it was a great song. Um, here's what surprised me about them. Besides all the musicality variation, which I liked, I loved the, I don't know what's coming up next. The first time I was listening to it, which was mm-hmm. really nice. Um, there was a lot of really deeper lyrics, you know, it wasn't about getting a hand job from your mom, which some <laughs> of that stuff was a, of that generation. I remember. I'm not calling out some of the pop, uh, bands, but, um, um, there was some stuff in here. I mean, junkies in here, junkie man. I mean, there's, there's some songs in here that are, um, deep and dark and, and, and move all over the place. I, I thought this was a really good album. I'm not sure I'm going to listen to a ton of this. Um, uh, just cause, um, I don't know. I would, I would give s- me so many albums at this point. I'm having trouble listening to my Waylon Jennings. <laughs> if so, I, I would say, if you like this, go back to the, go back to what the first rendition of rancid was, was operation Ivy. It's a little more ska ish. Okay. Is um, this, Rancid and then Rancid before they sold out, like there was with Corn. No, this Rancid is still raw. When Rancid, I don't, I don't want to say Rancid ever sold out. Um, they definitely got a little bit more popular and okay. a little more radio friendly. So Adam, but- there's a site out there called the Music DNA site, and you type in a band's name, and then it does a what's called a a proximity chart where it shows the band and what's related to them, what's close to them, what other bands are. So you can say, you type in like. Um, I don't know, like well, Led the, Zeppelin yeah. and it's got whatever. And I typed in somebody he gave me and it had corn way up their top, but then it had right <laughs> next to them corn before they sold out. And I thought, how, how disappointed must the corn guys be that they on here twice? <laughs> I think you did that with the, uh, with the Deftones white pony album. Deftones. It was exactly right. Right. And, and, and corn before they sold out was, Closer than corn after they sold out, which was farther away, which is probably good for the Deftones. Yeah. <laughs> which was funny. I just sat there and looked at the chart and I thought, I feel, I don't even yeah, know you, corn. You, you even screenshot it and you sent it to me like, is this real? <laughs> is this is like, real. Like, I, yeah, uh, let me see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's around follow the leader time. Yeah. That's about when they, yeah, when they wanted to sell out a little bit. Yeah. I'm well, but I mean, I'm all for making money. I'm yeah, not, I mean, I'm not against making money. I mean, good is still good. It's like, like I, I went kind of like down a, uh, uh, what, what is it? A, um, fuck. What is it? Like my, my wordsmith is gone. Um, 
Rabbit hole? Like, like a guilty pleasure. I had some guilty pleasure music this week. Oh, like, okay. I listened to a lot of fucking Limp Biscuit this week. Really? Because I thought you were going to say BTS. It's just, I man, I love BTS. Um, we don't build y'all. I listen to that one a lot. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, you know, this Rancid is, this was right whenever Operation Ivy was around for one album and, and it came out in 89, sure. but it definitely was a lot more ska. You know, this is when they picked up another member yeah. and they went, they, they, they leaned in more into the, 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 the punk aspect and not so much. Is that the, the term ska. hardcore or is it um, punk? It, I would, I would consider to, this more punk and not hardcore. Okay. Trying to learn all the cool kids terms. So you loved this album. Adam. <laughs> you, you, you expressed that to us. This was an album you wore out. So what, what? Yeah, man. I, I think this is a great album. And, uh, and just what you guys are talking about, I, I'd have to say that there's so many things I can say about this, but first of all, uh, I would start off with journey to the end of the East Bay, which is my favorite song on this album. So I, I think this is so prior to ever hearing about Rancid, I was really, really into operation Ivy. I used to drive around with my buddies, you know, we had this like we had this older guy that we were friends with. Before we, my group of friends, could even drive, there was this older dude that was like you know a couple years older than high school that was really into punk rock music. And he also showed us a lot of bands. And he used that he had a CD of Operation Ivy. We used to just drive around town, listen to that album. I fucking we all did. We all loved that album. So then when Rancid comes on the scene, I don't know what what, what year it was in the nineties. It was you know probably around the time that I heard them. Because, you know, this is where they kind of got into the mainstream. And uh, I heard uh, Journey to the End of the East Bay. And it was like one of those things, you're listening to it. And then you're like, holy shit, like, this is a, this is a story right here. He's, tell, he's telling the story about Operation Ivy. And you can kind of like, yeah. like piece of the things together. And then you start to like, shit, Tim Armstrong was in Operation Ivy. Oh, God damn. Like, this is, this is what he's talking about. And that song had a profound influence on me because like so here you are you got this band that i think it's an amazing song on its own and and then there's like different layers to songs like that's just a great song it's just and the, the melody of it the musicianship and then but then there's like this thing that happens with songs like you don't have to know what he's talking about i remember the first time i heard that i just knew there was some sort of importance about the story they was telling i was drawn i was hooked i was drawn into it and i knew that what he was saying was important it was about the urgency in which he said it. There was authenticity in which he sang it. And I just knew without knowing what the particular story was at that time, that it was something I needed to know. Yeah. Um, and, and then you go to the, the next layer, which is like what the song is actually about. And then once I heard that, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like this is, he's telling a story about a band that I loved and that, that just blew me away. So I got, I got to put that right up there at the top, right? I haven't listened to this album probably in about, you know, 10 years. So when I went back and listened to it, I listened to the song and I was just, you know, I went for a walk and I just put it on repeat and I was just like, you know, getting chills up my spine thinking about, you know, it brought me back to that. Uh, and I gotta say like, this album is very authentic. Those guys, they weren't like, I think, you know, you, you mentioned like Blink-182 or like pop punk stuff. Not that that's not authentic, but there's something sort of like a little bit like, uh, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't, I don't, I don't really connect with it as much. I thought, you know, they had some cool stuff, but yeah. this like seems authentic to me. This seems raw. It seems emotional. And I felt like it, when I hear that album, it's just like a bunch of kids 
that love punk rock music that got in like a garage together yeah. and just turned the amps up and just like made something together. And they all like lived in the same block or whatever. And they just like, and it, they took it seriously. You can tell that they took it very seriously. You got, you know, like that, it's, these are well-written songs and the yeah. musicianship is very good. The good guys can play, you know, it's not just like, they're not just playing real chords fast and like drinking a lot and like, just like, ah, oh, whatever. This is just what it is. And, 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 and missing notes. And stuff. They're good. Like that's a, it's a really good, it's like, it's a polished album as much as like a punk rock album like this can be. It's produced well. So, you know, I, I think there's like, it's, it's, punk rock at its core but really it has like stuff in common with like the beach boys it has stuff in common with like you know just like you know those are talking about the clashes they're, they're taking from reggae they're taking and you can tell that there's another album right there they listened to london common a whole lot and i almost feel like that was the archetype for uh this album they they were like oh we're gonna like tell some you know stories about characters that we like we're gonna talk about you know you know junkies we're gonna talk about you know, we're gonna have poetry in here. Like they just, they just combined everything. There's like, I see like, you know, the beat writers in here. I, 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 you know, I hear classic rock. I hear so many different things and they just like combine all the stuff they love together. It's art rock, it's punk rock, it's psychedelic, it's, um, it's funky, it's this funk in it. Like there's, they combine a lot of stuff into this. And so, um, and I guess they're like, you know, the hits off this album, although I used to, usually like to shy away from saying like the hits are my favorite part of an album. I gotta say like Ruby Soho and Time Bomb are like great, great songs. Like you, you just can't deny it. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I went back and I listened to this album and I was like, these are great songs. Yeah. These are, you know, the melodies are great. The choruses are awesome. Um, and then, you know, one song was sort of like in the periphery that I've always been drawn to. And it could have been like a Bob Dylan song or a Neil Young song, uh, Daily City Train. And, you know, it, it starts off, you know, he was an artist, uh, a poet, and a friend. And, and already, from those first lines of the song, you're like, who is this guy that he's talking about? This is meaningful to him. I want to know what this guy's about. And he's talking about, you know, some guy who knows who he is. But it's real. It's like someone, it's, it's a story. I think, like, as a songwriter, you're looking for someone that has human values, that uh, sort of, like, lives um, with a certain type of humanity um, that we that we want to like, uh, that we all want to like have, you know, but it's hard. It's hard to live a certain way because, you know, of what that usually means in life, whether it's, you know, you're homeless because you were so idealistic in the way that you want to live that you can't have things, material things or, or whatever. And so when you see people that do that and, and there's a song written about them and we sort of, you know, we mythologize that. Like that's like, you know, we learned that from Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan did this a whole lot. Um, and they're doing that here with this guy that they're talking about, this friend of theirs. And uh, it's just a beautiful song. It could be a folk ballad, you know, uh, a traditional folk song written way back when. And, and it's cool that they, you know, were skilled enough in songwriting to have stuff like that on this album. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, this, this isn't a simple album at all. You know, there's a lot of albums, punk albums I go back and listen to that I really like. And they're cool in their own right. Um, but you go back and listen to it, like, all right, this is, is simplistic in, in, in nature. But you, this album is not simplistic. It's it's Amen. it's complex. There's a lot going on, and it's it's raw and it's genuine. No, I mean like Ruby Soho and Time Bomb. If you're gonna put it into like the punk time capsule, 
those two songs go in. Yeah. I mean, and what I like about mm-hmm. punk music so much is that you don't have to have a good voice. Tim Armstrong's voice is not the greatest. It's rough. It's gruff. It's, but it's awesome, though, isn't it? It is awesome. I mean, you could have that smoker's voice and be a punk artist. It, it's an idea right. that what is what makes punk music so good. I mean, we've said it so many times. Little Richard was honestly a punk artist because he cut, he went against the grain so many times. He just happened to be in a different type of music, but at the root of it, if you put those same fucking lyrics on a rancid back, you know, musical stuff, that's a fucking punk album right there. Just because it's, it's not so much the voice. It's not so much the, the music, it's the words. It's the way that is written down on paper. That is what makes punk. Yep. And it's just like with like the, the London Calling or Sex Pistols or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's, well, it's, it's, an, makes, it's an idea. It's what makes London Calling great. It's yeah. what it's what I enjoyed about this album. Right. The songwriting was great. And I, I agree with you. I think the the songwriting part of this is 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 what appealed to me. And that's what what separated this from a lot of the stuff that I've listened to in this era was the songwriting was strong. Yeah. And, and I agree. I think a, a top to bottom, the songwriting was very strong. And there's so many subsets. It was interesting. It, it, it kept your attention. It yeah. was, like you said, you you were drawn into the, the storytelling. And yeah. and that, that <clears throat> across genre, if if it's going to be a simple song, then the then the, the work better be good, right? Um, but that's not what this was. These weren't, the, the storytelling was right on. So I, I thought, I thought, um, it was, and it was strong all the way through. There wasn't one or two strong songs. I, I thought it was good. No, it's a, it's a good album from yeah. front to begin, you know, beginning to end. Every single song is good. Yeah. yeah. It, it's one where you don't have to listen to, uh, you know, in order, you can put that shit on, on like okay. on random and yeah. it, and it still flows just as well. I hadn't thought about the London calling because there London calling. It does have the London calling. There's like 20 songs. It's, you know, it's a, yep. it's a big, it's in the, there yeah. are story, 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 story. Yeah. Um, and it, it is very much in that template, um, which is a good template if you can pull it off. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's so many problem subsets. Is most people can't. Yeah. There's, 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 <laughs> most people can't. Like, there's like, there's political, if you want to go political punk, you go anti-flag, you go leftover crack, mm-hmm. um, you go something mm-hmm. like that. If you want you know, propaganda. I yeah, love propaganda. Yeah, you got that. I mean, if you want more of like that, that, that ska punk, you go operation Ivy, which is, you know, rancid pretty much just with one less person. And then you can go rancid and then you can go Pennywise, old school Pennywise, you can go, uh, soul embraced. I mean, I mean, there's just so many different yeah. genres that it, it's endless in endless. This was a good album. Uh, this was a, this was a fun one to find because I hadn't heard it before. Yeah. This was definitely good. Uh, and once again, uh, I'm a, I'm a songwriter guy. So, I mean, to me, one of the reasons I'm drawn to folk music and country and folk first and a lot of that stuff is I like the storytelling part of that. I want you to, to say something interesting to me. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why I, I was drawn to this album. I mean, this is, this is a, a strong songwriter's album, which is fo- unusual to find in uh, a pulp, in a punk, uh, Avenue. Yeah. Just a lot of the stuff you listen to doesn't have that strong of st- songwriting. And this is strong. This yeah, is I mean, really strong. There's so many albums out there that if you just read the words, 
it's fucking poetry. It's just the way it's delivered yeah. is a lot different than yeah. what a lot of people. This one's strong. This one, on. you don't have to read the words. You can yeah. listen and you get the story. They, they deliver the story very yeah. strongly as well. And that, that's the, the London calling beauty here, right? That's the, yeah. the thing the clash could do is they translate. You didn't have to like dig. It was, it was beautifully told as well. Yep. Oh, I just, one last thing that just popped in my head when you were talking about the poetry of this album. It is something that I had never uh, heard before. I heard this album. It, just, it, it reminded me that, about this. Like, you know, in the song Junkie Man off of um, And Now Come the Wolves, there's like this poem, right? Um, and it was like this word association poem. And I had never heard anything like that. It's a spoken word thing in the middle. Um, I think one of their friends had written it, actually. It was this poem they put. And, that, you know, it's, it's this poem about And Now Come the Wolves. I can't remember what it does, but that was the first time I was ever like, you know, they're using like word association to like paint this really abstract picture. And that was like, uh, that was like important for me to like, I'm like, what are they talking about? I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm drawn to it. There's something, it ignited some sort of curiosity. And now I, you know, I read tons of, you know, poetry books now and stuff like that. And I gotta say like, that was the first time I ever heard something like that. Um, you know, I was just a little kid and I was, I was kind of blown away by it, but yeah. I mean, this this album goes into the top five punk albums of all time, arguably maybe even for me, top five albums that has, has been around for me. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I I would understand. I would understand. It's, it's the right. I always say the top five is always got to be generational, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it's got to be, yeah, there's a connection to the stuff that you grew up with. Right. But like this album is the album I had to sneak, listen to growing up. Just yeah. because, like, I mean, I I couldn't listen to it. Yeah. I couldn't listen to it, it like with me and with my Roy, parents. The Roy uh, A Cuff stuff. No, <laughs> yeah. sure. And so, uh, yeah. So uh, that's a, that's that's not exactly true. I guess yeah. I'm not that old. <laughs> um, but yes. Um, well, so we had a third album. We had a third album. We had a, we had a given third to us by Nick Gervais. We did. So we had Radiator King, yeah. Unborn Ghost that just came out. Just came out a little over a month ago, August twentieth, twenty first, something like that. Twentieth. Right. Um, that's right, man. Yeah. 21st. Um, congratulations. So, Way to release it during a pandemic. That's not, uh, <laughs> that probably wasn't the original plan. Probably didn't know that there was going to nope. be a pandemic. But, uh, um, so Nick, I did not song. know. Yeah. So, so I, I had never heard of you or your band before we met Nick and he said, Hey, I have this buddy of mine. You know, he knew that we did the whole music <laughs> thing. He's like, check it out. And, yeah. and we we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah we'll check it out. And then like we listened to it and we're like, holy shit, holy shit. Like you actually gave us like a real, like a real musician album, <laughs> right, not right. just like one of yeah. your, one of your friends, garage bands kind of right. thing. Right. Um, so before, <laughs> before, before you, you want to go ahead and choose what songs we like, and then we can dive into the album. Well, I thought let's, I'd let's go through, let's just do a yeah. classic review of this. Yeah. This is a, this is an album. So that we were given. So I, I listened to this first of all, um, first time listened through it. The, the variety on this album is strong couple yeah. notes I got through it, um, and I mentioned this earlier, Jason Isbell, uh, Gary Clark Jr., who are, are of, of my current artists, probably top 10. The Gary Clark Jr. vibes are strong in a couple of these songs, that, and those are particularly stand out for me. Um, I saw the song. I saw the, the second song on here is Raylene, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, Gabe Lee has a song, Raylene, and it actually starts uh, very similarly, but it takes a, a – a different turn. And I like that song a lot. Yeah. Um, this, this song is, um, 
uh, up and down and has a lot of variety. Um, I particularly, um, and I, I texted or I emailed uh, Adam this, Haunts Me Now, which is the first single, I believe, um, ine- immediately struck me um, as, a, as a song that it, it just, it's a gripping song. It, 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 it got me going. I like No Home, which is, um, which has got a, uh, it's a beautifully written song. Um, there's a lot of songs on here. Madam uh, Marie, I've, I've talked about earlier on the yeah. show, um, the piano part of that, and it's a, it's a, it's a quieter song. I dug the hell out of that. But the song that I love that I've fallen in love with over the last couple of days, and I've kind of listened to on repeat is roll the dice with oh, the, <clears throat> um, it's just a cool song with, the, with the, um, with just the, the storytelling in that, um, uh, it's just, uh, and I love the, um, uh, just the way it's written and, and uh, uh, I, I love roll the dice and, um, and that, that's going to be my choice. I originally was, uh, and I, when I emailed Adam, I said, uh, it's going to be haunts me now. Cause that's the song I fell in love with initially, but I've switched. Oh. I'm now roll the dice, <laughs> um, which is what a good album does to me. Cause as I listen right on, to man. it, I, I slide around. I actually uh, fell in love with Madame Marie and I still love that song, but then I, um, over the last couple of days, I've switched back to I've switched to roll the, roll the dice. Um, I've really really dug the hell out of this album. Um, Thanks, Mark. Because, I appreciate that. And we said this about Rancid, and I've said this about Eric Church. Three songwriter albums, and we're going to talk about songwriting next. Um, the, the cool stories, one and all, um, and I've enjoyed digging in and, and hearing the lyrics and 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 all that. And I want to hear about how you write songs. But I've picked Roll the Dice. So with me, yeah. the way this album starts is different than the way it ends. I've, oh, already, yeah. I've, I've already said that. Um, you know, if I had to choose a word, one word to for this album for me, I would go with haunting um, just because the, the, the lyrics, the musicianship, everything, it strikes a chord. There is some there's some songs that is, I don't even know if you're singing at one point where it, I got a lot of spoken word and music was just happens to be behind you. Um, again, like I, I like the, the, the roll, the dice, um, uh, uh, light of my soul, the way it ends, uh, like just that almost like I get that, that Bob Dylan esque off, yeah. off the, the, the light of my soul. But the one that strikes the chord the most for me, which I listened, I've probably listened to 50 times by now, um, On the Mountain. Yeah, I knew you'd dig that one. Fuck. Mm. Like, the way, I don't, I don't, did you have a choir behind you on that one, or was it, like, just. How'd you do that? Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask about that. How'd you, that how'd was, you record on that? That was, uh. Man, uh, that's, uh, I'm smiling thinking about this. Uh. That song, so we got it's um it's two like gospel singers that uh, so the, the buddy I told you the piano player Shaul he he plays an also like a, a really amazing like cover band that does these like huge events and uh, these two girls that uh, sing in that band they're just, they're just two gospel singers from the hood and they agreed to come and they, and they did those vocals they're incredible singers so on. On on the mountain, I yeah. got a a biblical vibe 
I'm going to say a lot of Abraham, you know, making that decision with with Isaac. That's what I'm spot on, man. Really? Fuck. Yeah. All right. Spot fucking on. So So what happened was I'll tell you, I don't want to interrupt you. Keep on going. I can't believe that you put that. It just, it, it, it had, okay. Take the lyrics out the music alone. That's why I say this, this album had that haunting vibe for me because it felt like, I know like Lord of the Rings asked, like I'm climbing a mountain and I can just hear that shit in my, in the back of my head yeah. going up. I, I can see, I can see the wilderness in front of me. I can see that. But then when you dive into the, the lyrics of it yeah. and you actually listen to the song, yeah. then it's like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting the Abraham vibe where you with the there, Bible where's reference. that, where's that you have that inner tor- turmoil. You had that choice. You have that decision you have to do. And then you have the Isaac vibe with that as well. So evidently I, I heard the right thing. So I, it's just, <laughs> it's just like whenever I can blind taste a cigar correctly, I'm glad that I can blind listen to, it, to an album correctly. So, all right. So now that you know that my, you, you know, our stuff dive into dive into your newest, your, your newest artwork, dive into this album of, of how it did. And if you want to talk, start with on the mountain, you can do that. <laughs> well, firstly, let me just say that it's really awesome to, you know, write music and then have two people that obviously really love music and seriously listen to the album, talk about it. So thank you for that. Like, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's like a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of, you know, blood and sweat goes into these songs and in this day and age you, you like you wonder what the listening capability is of people these days you know so i appreciate that thank you uh all right so on the mountain like uh so i was on tour and i was on i was on a solo tour and i was like someplace and maybe i was either in austin or nashville or someplace and after the show there was a guy who came up to me and he just started talking to me. He's like, I heard your music on uh, on the uh, on the, the venue's website, and, and it, it spoke to me. And I wanted to come see what it was about, and so we just started talking about music. And then we got into like books, and um, you know, I, I could tell that he was like, he knew what was up. This dude was cool. He was he was a very like uh, he, he had similar taste. And so um, I was like, give me give me some books to read. I need a new some new books. And so one of the ones that he recommended to me, which was his favorite book of all time was called Fear and Trembling, and it's by Kierkegaard. Uh, I think I pronounced that right. I don't know. I'm not cultured. Uh, but <laughs> he, uh, he told me to read it. He's like, he's like read it. He's like, this is a, the, my favorite book. And it's, it's, uh, it's a book, basically, uh, I'm not going to get into it because it's like a philosophical book. And, but basically, this guy basically um, you know, um, dissects the idea of faith. And he uses that as his example. Um, uh, uh, Abraham going to Mount Moriah with his son and, you know, and that whole biblical dilemma. And so, um, so I read it and I was, I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, it just got, had my head spinning. You know what I mean? I was, I thought a million different things. I was like, you know, what I always thought, maybe it wasn't true, but whatever. It, just, it really affected me in a, in a profound way. So, you know, I went, um, I went to the library uh, down the street from where where I was living in, in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn. And I just would go there and I would write and I would just not stop writing. And this book just like invigorated that uh, that in me. And so I, I would just write and write and write and write and write. And this is the first time I ever constructed a song like this. 
And so uh, I just sat at the piano, put the notebook up, and played these chords. And, and, and then it started to like fall into place with certain lines and stuff. And then, you know, I realized it, it I kind of went down this tribal path that I want to uh, sort of, you know, take it because I felt like that was the, the appropriate way. But the lyrics came first in that song. And everything sort of evolved around the lyrics, even the chordal structure. And like I said, I don't really know what I'm doing on the piano, but I do write a lot on the piano. And when I showed it to my friend, uh, Shaul, who played all the, the piano parts on the album, I showed him the chords I was playing and, and the timing. The timing was really weird. And, uh, and the chords, he's like, he's like, I don't even know what chords those are. He's like, I, I was like, I don't know what they are either. I don't, but this is them. And so, you know, it took him like a minute. He's like, I don't know what that is, but I'll play that. And so, you know, that's how the song sort of started. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a weird song. Like, but, but some people really like that song, but you know, that's not the song that's going to like, uh, it's not the song that all the girls are going to be uh, cheering for in yeah, a yeah. stadium somewhere. I'll tell you that. But, um, you know, I was proud of that song because I felt like um, it articulated something in a certain way and it was, uh, and it, it accomplished, you know, everyone involved, you know, Brian Viglione was a drummer and I feel like he did a great job at getting that like tribal sort of like, it's almost like a mix between like tribal and like a hardcore song or something. Yeah. And just like the energy is there and, it, and it's like, uh, we, just, we just, with those guys, I accomplished um, getting that emotion, which you know, I was trying to evoke with the song. So uh, I'm glad you noticed it, man. And I'm glad you, you noticed that that storyline that was going on in there. So yeah, it's no, cool. You know what, and what you just said, like, you know, the, the, the drums in it, the, the drum is what, what I first picked on for picked up first. Yeah. And then it really does go with the lyrics on it and the, the symbolism because it is, it's, it's a menacing drum beat because yeah. the, you know, the, you know, going back to the biblical side, it was a menacing thing that Abraham was having to do. Yeah, and it just, it, and it just fits that persona of that yeah. song so well. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's bread and butter. It goes, it goes together so well because you couldn't have, you know, the, the happiest tune on yeah. something that was so, you know, fundamentally dark and deep with that subject. Yeah. You had to right. have, you had to have that, 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 that dark core of just that, like you said, that tribal, that, that methodical, beating in the background it was the heartbeat that just went through the through the whole song and then yeah. you and then it, you you throw it over the top with with the gospel singers shit yeah, yeah. yeah. just like boom no i heard that song <laughs> you dig it Thank you. Yeah. Like, and and like i said the the black and white of madame marie right mm -hmm. right after it but that i i heard that song and and obviously the drum is the first thing you hear on that and and enjoying that song and and the first thing i know is and i First time I heard it, I knew that's the song you were picking because that, that's, that's the song that I knew you'd be drawn to. I, I, I enjoyed that song a lot too. Um, it was, it was, it's funny the, the, I thought you did a great job of putting the songs in order where there was that natural play in the album. Um, and that, that was great. Do you, you that becomes, a, oh, go no, ahead. Mark. No, you go. I, I want to hear. Oh, I was going to say it went song order becomes very important when you have an eclectic uh, batch of songs. You know what I mean? You can't, you have to really pay um, attention to like what songs you're putting next to what, especially when you, you like you're making an album. Like I, I you know even I release singles and whatnot, but I make an album. Like I, I put a collection of work together yeah. because there's something that correlates them together. And, and, and there's a, there's a story that's happening, even in the though it may be subconscious, 
it's like up to you when you finish the body of work to look amongst all those songs that you created and figure out what how are they united where where's the storyline where is this taking you from one point to another point and how does it work and how does it flow and when they ever click the songs i think the the, the order is, is very very important so i'm glad that you think it worked i i mean one yeah. of the things ironically that eric church says is that one of the things that's most important to him is that people value that album together as a unit because yeah. that's to him one of the yeah. most important things it says because that's what the true music people value is that that unit together the individual songs are great and in the world we consume now at that sip level and the yeah. spotify level and you know i you know i have a whalen yeah. channel and they'll run through various songs and we we all listen to music that way somewhat now but when i really want to get into an artist i want to listen to an album front to back yeah. and i don't want to shuffle i want to i want the order that they've picked right when i listen to an album i want to I want to listen to Led Zeppelin, you know, for, I want to listen to it right in a row. Right. I want to listen to the right. order that they put it in for me. So. You, like Houses of the Holy needs to be listened to as a full out. Right. You know what I mean? It exactly. makes sense. On the mountain, you wrote from the lyrics first. So one of the things that fascinates me, and yeah. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts with, with songwriters, right? Rick Rubin has a podcast called Broken Record. And you hear these people talk uh-huh. about how they write. So where do you, how do you write songs? Where do you start? Do you start with the riff first? Do you start with a, a, you know, a melody? Do you start with an idea? Where do you start? You know, you wrote, you know, several songs here. You've probably written hundreds of songs. So where do you start with an idea? Is it always different? Is it the same way? How do you write songs? Oh man. Uh, so much I can tell you about this. (laughs) Um, it's chaotic, man. Uh, it's, it's different all the time. And, uh, there's something that I read about uh, that Joe Strummer said a long, long time ago that I read. And he, and he said, you know, songwriting is difficult. He's like, you're a detective and you're looking for any sort of clue to take you in a certain direction that you can. And I, I think that's like a good way to like sum it up. Um, anything, any sort of, cause like what you're really trying to do is you're trying to like tap into some like subconscious thing, you know, you're trying to, but like, I, I also, I, I, I'm, I should be careful in saying that because I'm not, I'm a person, I've had a million jobs over my life. And like, I'm a person that believes like you go to work to do something if you want to accomplish anything. So I don't, I'm not one of these people that says like, you sit around and you wait for a good idea to come. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that's the way things are done. Um, you go to work. Like if you need to write songs, sit down for eight hours and write. And you might not have nothing, but you go to work to do it. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you're given like a golden token. All of a sudden stuff just comes pouring out. Maybe it's like on the, the ninth hour, or maybe it's like that eight hour day, you accomplish nothing, but you did accomplish something because the next day you pick up a guitar for five minutes and all of a sudden the song comes to you. Um, so it's different all the time. And when you talked to, when you just spoke about, um, writing the lyrics first in that particular situation, I, I like, uh, it was almost like, um, um, I did that on purpose, uh, in a way, because you don't want to write the same album twice. You don't want to write the same song twice. So in order to like change up your system, you have to kind of throw a wrench in what you've been doing. And it forces you to like, sort of make something in a different way. And and in doing so you construct a song that you maybe wouldn't have been able to construct a year prior or, or whatever. And so you're always kind of like searching for new ways um, to go about it, to approach it. And so 
Um, you know, I, I really think that um, you can't get comfortable in like doing it one way. There's a, there's a lot of different ways that it happens. I, I think the best way it ever happens is when they both sort of come together. When you sit down to write a song and, um, and something, you, the words, the melody, the, the, the chords, they all sort of come out together. And I know that sounds weird and it sounds like something like more profound than it is because it's not that profound. It's kind of like you just like go to like, whenever you're making a melody, you kind of sing something. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta say something, whether it's just syllables or whatnot. But sometimes when you say those syllables, actual words come out and you might have any idea. Um, your conscious mind might not have any idea what those words mean but subconsciously. They probably have some sort of meaning or maybe they don't, but sometimes they do. And then you start to string together. Maybe there's like one awesome line that you said the first time you played it and you recorded it on an iPhone and you're like, wow, that's an amazing line that I said for that melody. What am I talking about? And then you start to like dive into it. Um, like uh, you, you mentioned Roll the Dice is a song that you liked. And that particular song, some, some songs are really easy to write. They, they come, you know, all at once. That song, that particular song took a long time to write. And because I couldn't figure out, um, I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be about. You know, I had like maybe like one or two lines. I can't remember for the life of me what those original lines were. But I had a melody, I remember, and I had the chord structure. And I kept on playing it and I kept on singing, like just waiting for something to click. And I didn't know what the story was supposed to be. And I probably wrote, you know, I think if I think back to that song, I think I wrote like, you know, a set of lyrics that I end up trashing. And then one after the other, I was like, no, that's no good. That's not the right that's not the right lyrics for the right song. Cause you can do that. You can write the long, wrong set of lyrics uh, for the song and then you can mess up the whole song. So you got to find, you know, the right set of lyrics. Um, and Bob Dylan was like the master at this. Um, but you know, uh, so, so you start to try a bunch of different things. And that song, I just remember like shelving it, writing another song, coming back to it. Fuck. I still can't get this going back to another song. You know, and then you kept on coming back to it. And then finally, I was like, you know, this is about two runaway kids. This is like yeah. two kids that all they have is each other. And they're trying, both trying to be tough, you know? And I think that was like, if I look back on it, like that song, it was um, your, the environment in which you're living at the time really affects your writing. And I, I was living in, a, in a, a pretty rough neighborhood. And I think that that had an effect of the kids that I was seeing there, the people in the project, the, you know, which I was living. And you look around and you, you know, it wasn't a conscious thing, but I, looking back, I can say that now that, you know, that was about, you know, seeing that, seeing these kids that maybe they just, that to be hard and be tough was their way to get through a hard situation. And I can relate to that. You know, I think we all can, you know, right. sometimes you need to be tough and you need to get through something. And I, and I, and right. I saw that happening. And, but then, and then also the songs relate to my own life and the relationships I was having where, you know, you want to do what's right and, and you're parting ways with someone and, but you know, really inside you're really hurt, but you're trying to act, you know, as if you, you, you're going to go on and you're going to be just fine. But, um, so I don't know, man, it's, it's writing, writing songs is a chaotic thing. You're just, you're really just like, you, you, what you're doing is pulling something out of mid air, mid air that didn't exist before, which is the beauty of it. That's what I'm addicted to. Yeah. Um, you're an inventor, you know, you're, you're a scientist, you're, you're, I don't know. It's, 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 you know, research things. Like I, I've written songs where I researched like, uh, Native Americans because I was like, you know what? There's something about the song reminds me of like some sort of Native American hymn or 
cool. and then you start to die from that, and then you find like a Native American story, and it's just like this trail it sends you on, um, and it's, it's the coolest thing to like pull something out of midair and then like formulate it, and then you go in the studio, and then you know maybe a year later you hold a, a record in your hands of something that you just pulled out of midair that was just like an idea, you know, yeah. and that's like that's that's a cool thing. So what, what were you listening to um, a lot of while you're in the recording process and writing process of this album uh, in particular? Uh, let's see. So I, this, this, see, this album was different. I did this in a different way. I, I recorded, um, I recorded two different sessions for this and they were both separated by a big tour. So it was like, I did five songs in one session in one studio with one producer. And then when I got back from tour, I went to another studio in a very different different atmosphere and recorded another like five songs or six songs or whatever it was. And um, so, you know, obviously it was different, different things I was listening to. Um, let's see, if I had to go back to then to what I was listening to, I'm sure I was listening to a lot of Tom Waits. I'm sure I was listening to, oh, you know what? I can say that, you know, like take a song like Haunts Me Now, for example. I was listening to a lot of hip hop. Uh, one of the guys that, that tore a bass player, he uh, he was really into hip hop. He played on some hip hop albums like Jurassic, I think it was a Jurassic Five album. Um, he had played on, so he was like really like big on hip hop. So when it was like his, when he was in the front seat, he would play a lot of hip hop stuff, and I was really digging that. I, I you know, I I felt that oh, it spoke to me at the time, so I was really into that, and I think that's why that song went in that certain direction. There's definitely like a hip hop vibe going on with that song. Um, and then I was also, yeah. And I was also listening to a lot of Nick Cave, if I remember correctly, which is probably where you get something like on the mountain, that like dark, uh, sinister sort of thing. Um, and, um, I was also listening to a lot of like Hank Williams, I think at the time too, uh, bringing it back to the country thing. Um, I listened to a lot of stuff. And one of the cool things about going on tour is that you, you're in the van with a lot of other people and then you stay, like we don't stay at hotels. We stay on people's floors. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the people that maybe another band or someone's put on the show. So you're not only listening to like whatever music your, your buddies listen to in the band, you're listening to um, at night, you know, when you go back after the show, whatever those guys are listening to. So they're always, always turning you on to new shit. And I'll say like, you know, one of the things I've always liked about touring down South, which I've done a lot of is that they, if you go back to like the roots of, of a lot of, a lot of, you know, new musicians down there, a lot of the really good musicians, they still learned how to play music in the church. Um, you know, like a lot of them, their first influence, their first like, uh, introduction into music was the church. And I, I, I hated church when I was a kid. It was a very different thing. We didn't have gospel music and stuff. Yep. Um, but so I, I, you know, I've always been sort of fascinated by gospel music when I go down there I hear some of the stuff that they turn me on to like I was probably listening to a lot of like staple singers uh, around this time too and I was just blown away by how great that stuff was you know yeah. so we like uh, our our listeners knew what we were going to be talking about this week and so a, a bunch of them you know listened to it and they they sent me messages through Instagram and one right. one in particular um wish we actually got an album from him uh, earlier uh in this process that we, uh, that we went over, he, he gave us the sword to listen to, which is amazing. If 
you, you should know who the sword is, but if not, definitely check out the sword. Um, but he said he, okay, he got, I, don't, I don't know that. Is. I oh, would check it out. Yeah, yeah. Check out the sword. It, it is great. Um, but he said, I got a lot of the gaslight anthem out of this. And I was like, dude, yeah, that is like, I, I definitely, <laughs> definitely see that. So, so, uh, uh, I get that a lot. And, uh, they were a band that I liked when I was younger and they're a great band. They're awesome. And I think, I think one of the things is that when I was talking about that you like, you find what you like and you go to like the origin of that. I think that if you, you know, Brian Fallon was like the main songwriter in that band. I think that if you went to like the origin of like what he is really into, we're like sort of into the same things, whether it's like movies and stuff like that from what people have told me and what I've, you know, conversations I've had. Uh, so I think there's like, uh, there's a link between things that we're both influenced by, you know? And I think that there, there is a similarity there. Um, and, you know, I actually, I'm, I'm friends with a few guys in that band and, um, you know, it's, it, it's been interesting to get that sort of, uh, reaction from people, which is cool because I think they're a great band. I think they do what they do very, very well. And they sort of fall into the same tradition that I think that, that I'm kind of trying to do is like, you take, you take all of this like um, older music, right. There's all these older, like sort of cultural things like blues music and, and, uh, and folk music and, you know, old punk rock music. And you sort of formulate something more modern that's their own. And I think they were sort of kind of like fallen in that tradition themselves, you know? And uh, you know, they definitely, definitely grew up, listening to hardcore and punk music and that's just that comes through in the sort of um i don't know the ethical nature of what they're doing you know just sort of, sort of like you know like I, i'm not a rock they're not trying to be rock stars you know what i mean and i think yeah. oh there's, there's a lot of correlations there like it was, it's very clear to me I, I don't know everything about those guys but it's very clear to me that they grew up in a similar sort of environment that i did because I, I gotta say like while i moved beyond you know hardcore music um you know i found different things uh, that nevertheless me that sort of ethos of like we're all one we're all we're all um you know we're all the same we're not there's nothing you know the, the guy up on stage and like you know you should respect the people that are there to see your music you should that uh that's sort of like um i don't know there's a, there's a certain ethical morality thing that's involved in that music and it's very clear that they have it it's like a um, it's like an anti-rock star sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And I always thought that was cool about bands of I've always like sort of like inhabited that in my own music. It's like, you know, people, those people that are seeing your music, like you should be thankful that anyone gives a shit about what you're doing and what you have to say. Um, because that's, that's pretty awesome that you wrote a song and someone actually gives a shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, and like you said, you know, you, you, you can tell like, you know, region wise, because, you know, you're, you're from Boston, you live in, in Brooklyn now, I believe, uh, Gaslight, yeah. I think they're from like New Brunswick, New Jersey. They're, they're still in that, yeah. nor- they're in that Northeast area. So yeah, you get a lot. I mean, the, the region kind of dictates a lot of the same, not so much style, but it, it, it has its thumbprint on a lot of, uh, you know, different categories. And when, you know, when you're being compared to, to, you know, other bands and other artists and everything, it, it does regional, regional wise, you know, comes into a play at, at, at some point. 
Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, one of the things I'm interested in is you talked about the big tour. Was that the tour you went over in Europe? No, it was not, actually. Uh, that, that tour in Europe was after I recorded all the sessions okay. for this album. Um, I went on a big tour. Uh, I did like a, I did like a month, a little over a month with, uh, with the band all through the United States. And then, um, I sort of, I, I kind of screwed myself. I left myself like two days off and flew overseas. It was just myself and a guitar and, uh, a, a luggage bag full of merch and one of clothes and went on about a month, a little over a month long tour of Europe and the UK. Uh, and it was intense. But it was awesome. I did that completely solo. Um, it was daunting because I had never done anything like that before. I never played over there before. Um, so that was that was an incredible. That was like one of those, you know, sort of like life shaping experiences. You know, it was like really throwing caution to the wind. Yeah. Um, but it worked. I I I, I made every show. Uh, I ate. I managed to come back. So you know, it was a success and and, and that. But I would say that was quite an experience. I mean, I, I love, I mean, I grew up, I don't say I grew up going to shows. Whenever I became like 17 and I moved on my own, I love going to yeah. the, you know, the, the local venue here to see the, the smaller time artists. I've never been one where I like big stadium shows. I've only ever been to like one or two and it's not for me. I like the more intimate setting of a smaller venue because you get a lot more, you can see the appreciation of the artist whenever, whether there's, you know, five people there or it's a packed out show at say like Vino's that holds 150, you know, they can really tell, you know, you, you, they feed off the energy of the crowd. And when you have such a small intimate setting, I mean, it does, it makes, it makes the crowd just as much of part of the show, you know, as the artists up there playing. Yeah, absolutely does. It absolutely does. And the, you know, the audience can be the reason that a band plays so well one night. You mm-hmm. feed off that energy. It's a, it's a, it's a cycle. You guys, where are you guys? At Arkansas? Yeah, we're, we're in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so I, I've seen, uh, so, we, we've, we're, we, and we haven't played the Have You Seen game yet, but, um, <laughs> and I've seen uh, hundreds of shows, both big stadiums and little stadiums. But we're in Little Rock, Arkansas. Have you been down here? You you said you toured the South. You I have. I've I've played there a few times. I, there's a place called uh, Whitewater Tavern. You ever oh been there? Oh my God, Whitewater is like one of the yes. That is a that's whole, like that is like that is a dive bar of dive bars. But you get some awesome shows there. Like I've seen yeah. uh, uh, Weed Eater from there. Um, I I've mean, not been to Whitewater. I'm new. I'm fairly new to Little Rock. It's, we have it, the rev room here. We used to have Juanita's here, which is famous from all the, um, yeah, from like, uh, the village Vino's is, is like one of the four main quarters. staples Four quarter. Uh, we used to have a place called downtown, which isn't around anymore, but was that downtown? A, it was downtown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Little Rock ha- used to have a good, <laughs> music scene. Probably it, not it's, so much anymore, but it's, uh, well, it's, it's between Memphis and Dallas and a so bunch we, of places. So it was like a good midweek stop. We, yeah. We were a good, we were a good pit stop between Memphis and Oklahoma city where bands would come and make gas money mm-hmm. for the trip to Oklahoma. I mean, they could sell, I mean, if they sold, you know, 80 bucks worth That's of it. merch, the band could eat, yeah. You know, they could, you know, get a, get a, a, a meal on the house at, you know, at one of the places because it's all, every place it's still, you know, yeah. with a restaurant also. 
Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, I mean, the, that's the kind of show that I There's a I vibe love. in a small show that it is not present in a big show. But yeah. there's a vibe in a big show that's not present in a little oh, show, too. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, the thing we agree on is there's something about live music <laughs> that can never be replicated. Listen, I love albums as much as never. the next guy. But there's something about a live show. And one of the things that Nick told us about you is as great as your albums are, your live shows are a hundred times better. So, well, I'll tell you this, man, all I'm trying to do when I record, I haven't figured it out yet. I have, I mean, I don't know if I ever will, but I'm just trying to capture the live, the live show. I, I, it's not as simple as like setting up gear and recording live. Like it's, it's not as simple as that nope. um, because you want the, you want the high fidelity of a good recording. You want to be listenable. But that's all I'm after. All I'm after is getting that energy and that spirit of a live show on a recording. I haven't done it yet, um, but I'm getting closer. But yeah, that's where it is. I write these songs to play live, and that's my favorite thing to do in the world. So, you know. And by the way, Nick's a great guy. I love him. Nick's a great guy. How does a song, because this is one of the things that fascinates me, because I've seen tons of artists how does a song change from the way on the album to where it goes live? So like three-year-old or Chattanooga Lucy that we talked about, um, those songs change so much when they're performed live. And so when I talk about what Chattanooga Lucy is live, it's a completely different tune live. It's intentionally a completely different tune live because it's, it's a lot more right. dynamic or whatever. It's, it's a lot more bluesy, to be honest with you. You guys aren't going to find that because it's a bluesy tune on the album. It's a lot more dynamic and bluesy live. How do you, how, do you write a song thing? Well, this will, this will end up different live, or does it just magically morph to be more live or different live? Or did, or do you- um, I, think, I, I think it can happen in a couple different ways. So I, I think that any, any, person any musician that's sort of uh like really doing it like they're going on tour if you're sensitive to like what's going on when you play a song um you're gonna recognize that you're not gonna you're not gonna just play it and then shut yourself off to what the reaction is or how it feels up on stage you're gonna react to it by uh, being sensitive to what's working and what's not working and you feel that you know it so i would guarantee you that if the, when you're talking about these songs that he plays live, that he probably, it probably started at one place and got to another by playing it live, realizing this is what works, this is what doesn't work. And you start to realize we need to like, there's something about this song we're just not capturing live or whatever it is. And the same goes in the studio. You're, sometimes you're in the studio and you're playing it like you do live and you're like, it sounds like a mess. You know, it's just not working. It sounds like a mess. We're playing much too fast. We're playing too loud. They're different experiences. Like you said, like nothing will ever change. Uh, nothing will ever take the place of seeing a live band. That experience is magical. Um, but also, you know, this experience of listening to an album at home is, is very different. And so you have to realize like songs are flexible and they, they have to be played and, and performed properly in the environment in which you're playing them. And I'll tell you this, that there's times when we're on a big tour if you're playing with like a really good band and you guys like you got the set down and your songs, there's, there's times when we play songs completely differently 
And it's like, we don't have to talk about it because of the audience and because of the atmosphere. We'll play the song maybe way slower and way more relaxed or whatever, maybe more subdued because that's just what the night calls for. And if you're playing with musicians, like I always tell the guys I play with, just listen. All you have to do is listen. Like sometimes I'll sing an extra verse onto something or sometimes, you know, we'll go a couple extra bars of the solo if it's like something's really cool happening. It's just like, just watch what's going on. I don't ever want to play live with like charts or anything like that. It's just have, you're having like a dialogue up there on stage with your, with your boys that you, you brought out there to play. Yeah. And also with the audience, you're, you're, when stuff's working and like you're feeling it, like you just get in a zone and you just look at each other. Like if you see sometimes like we're playing live, uh, they'll look at me to like, you know, as like a conductor and I'm just like, forget about bars, forget about charts. Just look at me, listen, you'll, you'll know what to do. You're a good musician. You know what sounds good and you know what should come next. Just watch and trust your instincts. And that's like, that's, those are my rules for the guys I bring out in the room. So it's like, you know, it always changing. I can tell you like the way we start playing the show, uh, a song on tour sometimes is way different at the end and it's funny to hear like or to see like you know a video on instagram of this song like raylene or something from the first show of tour and then 35 days later yeah. the last show we played and we're like wow we changed that a whole lot or whatever you know yeah. so it's cool it's like music adapts like that you know yeah. and uh like, yeah i find that i find that fascinating i love running down the youtube hole where you see live versions of songs and how they've transformed over the years of over these artists and i find that fascinating um, because you can really see the transformation of songs. And yeah. sometimes you'll see them go back to an original version of the way they used to play it just for fun or whatever, and they'll change it back up. Um, and so, and this is the question, and this is a question I wrote down, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask it because I, I got to imagine Aaron and I are like totally fucking depressed that we're not being able to see live music. We both had tickets for big shows and we feel like sad that we're not seeing shows, but it's got to be driving you insane. Like to not be in front yeah. of the crowd right now, it's got to be, especially with an album dropping, it's got to be killing you. It's killing me. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. I, I mean, I, I try to like, uh, look at the big picture of the fact that like everyone's life has been transformed in yep. a significant yep. way. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's killing me. It's like, you know, it's one of those things that's like, an identifiable, like very like identifiable thing about who I am. You know, it's like, that is something that is at the center of what I do. I, I go on tour, I play music and I, I play these songs that I write and sort of like it defines me in a way. And, uh, it's just been totally taken out of my life. So, um, yeah, it's, it's throwing me for a loop. And, um, and then, you know, thinking about the future, but when it's coming back, I, I, I yeah. It hurts my head to even, you know, to start to think about this. But yeah, it's just the tour is one of my favorite things to do in the world. I bet. And you know, we're not playing the huge crowds. We're 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 pretty like, you know, we're it's pretty it's pretty rough out there on the road sometimes. The tours we're playing, but it's still amazing to go from t- city to city. You start to know all these people. You start to become friends with these people in these, you know, these small towns or, or wherever, these different cities, and they become people that you really, like, value their, their friendship and their, and their you know, and they, you know, 
them being there at the show and, and, and sharing stories with you when not having a beer with them and, you know, loading, you start talking to the sound guy and the same bartenders at the bar. And this is the whole experience, you know, and, yeah. and then, um, take that out. It sucks, but yeah. And I, I'm, I'm bummed that I can't go see shows. I can't see my yeah. friends or go yeah. see bigger bands. I really like it. And I'm feeling for all musicians, all, all my yeah. buddies that, they yeah, can't go out on the road right now. Yeah, there's depressing news. Now we're all trying to figure out yeah. how to put the pieces together. Yeah, and I, hopefully the small venues can make it through. Cause, I just because I mean I, that's one of my. They were concerns. hurting before this. That's the problem. Yeah, that's 100 percent right. Yeah, because you no, know, I'll tell you this. I know a lot. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. I, I, this. This is something you know. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but they should know. Uh, like when you go see bands that uh, aren't huge. Um, and you're seeing, and they're playing original music at these venues. Like these, these venues, they're not doing it because they're making a ton of money. It doesn't, it doesn't, they don't make a ton of money from having original live music at these bars. You know, you make a ton of money if you have a bar and you have a cover band. Like, but if you're having original bands come and play your, uh, their music, it's because you love music and you love the whole atmosphere and you're trying to create something cool. And those venues that are doing that, they were just barely hanging on before this. So this is kind of like, this is just really devastating to those venues. So, you know, I hope that people recognize that venues, they were, they were hurt before this and we got to figure out a way, you know, whatever bills need to be passed in government, because we're going to lose, we're going to lose that whole scene, you know, that whole um, dive bar or whatever, you know, places like Whitewater Tavern and stuff, they won't exist. And then we will, we'll lose that whole, um, that place of, of, of having those original bands, like awesome bands playing these small places that we love so much. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a rough time. And I feel for, you know, everyone involved is effective, is effective from the bookers, the bartenders, the, 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 um, the, the venue owners, the musicians, it's just it's sad, but hopefully shit can rebound and figure out a way to, to make it continue into the future. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the sanctuary of, you know, original music is the small venue. Yep. I mean, it's the, you know, if you, if you, if you have a small venue that gets a, a moderate size, you know, rock band, hardcore band, whatever like that, you know, they, they make a, <clears throat> they'll make money off the, you know, half the cover or whatever like that. And the smaller bands that open up for them, you know, the money that they, that they make is going to be off the merch sales. So like, I love going right. to those shows and, you know, buying a because i mean my my wardrobe consists of black band shirts that is what my that <laughs> yeah, is what man, my wardrobe I, is I, and it's like i'll i'll buy a shirt from every band that played that night because you know that's their livelihood plus i mean i i saw a good yep. show i get you know another shirt to add the collection but that's what a lot of people don't realize is like yeah if you have to pay 20 bucks for a cover you know that 20 bucks it trickles down a little bit but the the opening band or even the second band they don't see shit off that they make their money off you know the tips at the merch uh, table yep. and the merch sales itself. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, it, it definitely yeah. is. It, it's one of those things that, you know, the smaller venues and the smaller bands, you know, hopefully they can, you know, you know, weather the storm of, of everything. And when, you know, when stuff gets open back up to not even back to normal, because I don't, I don't know if that's ever going to fucking happen again, but, you know, open up enough where we can at least, you know, reward our reward ourselves with sure. live music. I can't wait to just spend all my money 
<laughs> you know, so, going back to band, or going back to little shows. Yeah, well, I'm a healthcare guy. Right, right on. So I'm a healthcare guy. It'll return to normal at some point, but it it's not going to be tomorrow. No, it's not going to be November. 4th, I really hope that people say, when, but, but it'll be next year sometime. Yeah. I sure hope that we. I, I really hope when this. it does come back that there's going to be a you know an enthusiasm about live music that just people are just gonna you know, run to the shows. I hope that's the case. I hope people miss it so much. And they know they need it in their lives. Yeah. It's but like, I mean, we'll I mean like what, what me and Mark have talked about before we're like, we've missed minor league baseball and concerts. That's yeah. what we've that's missed in Arkansas so much. We have a double a ball club here. That's right across the other side of the river that allows you to smoke uh, cigars and drink beer in the beer garden down the right field. Oh, yeah. we watch double a baseball. We love baseball. And uh, in small concerts, That's great. Me too, man. and uh, it's uh, those two things are killing me. But understand that um, I mean, it's, there's not much we can do at this point. I'm not one of those people who's like, I mean, it's it's unfortunately it's a it's a pandemic, I and mean, yeah. it is what it is. But you know, we're making choices, and 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 I I read articles that says we're not going to return to normal. We will return to normal at some point, and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Yeah, I I just want to repeat what you said, you know, I know for me, the first things I'm going to do is return to, to see live music. And I, I hope when that happens that the radiator King comes to little rock and that, you know, that there'll be two guys in the front row. (laughs) We'll be be saying hell yeah for you. Um, uh, And I know you'll be excited to get on the road because, uh, because there'll be, uh, you'll be touring on this new album. Maybe, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Um, there is nothing, there's nothing like live music. There's just, there's nothing like that vibe. There's, there's two magic things for me in music that I just, as somebody who, who enjoys music, but doesn't have the ability to create it. And the first is the ability to write a song. And we talked about that tonight. I just, it's, it's, it's magic. It's just magic to think about writing a song and have that, like you said, come together. Like you talked about the other part is to stand in front of a crowd and, and to just to mesmerize or entertain a group of people in that way, that that's a gift that is not to be under appreciated. I've, I've always said that ability to, to transport. I, I, I jokingly say that about halfway through every show that I have ever been at, that I've really had a good time. I say, yep. I remember now what happy looks like. This is fucking exactly it. This is where I'm happy. Um, and uh, um, so, you know, I, I, I personally, being in the middle of a crowd at a concert, whether it's 15 people or it's 50,000 people, in the middle of the show is where I'm, I'm, I'm grooving the, bit, the I, best. I, I need me a good mosh pit in my life. It's, I can knock you on your ass if you want. <laughs> If that's what I put my nose in the mosh pit when I was younger. Smashed the thing. Yeah, I'm thir- I'm 36. I need a mosh pit in my life. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You need a mosh pit. You need you need a mosh pit like you need a broken leg. So, well, it's like a midlife mosh pit. Yeah. You know the one thing we did <laughs> midlife crazy because we both picked a f- favorite song off of your new album. We both picked one, and it's probably like picking your favorite child. But do you have a favorite song yeah. on this album? Um, yeah, I actually do. Um, I'd say, uh, it haunts me now. And, um, the reason I feel like it haunts me now is because I feel like it, um, it's sort of approaching on a different sound that I've done before. 
Um, I felt like uh, when you're writing a song, so there's like two stages that I write songs in, right? There's like, there's the initial stage where uh, you, you write, you come up with like an idea, right? And then, and then you sort of revisit the idea to see if it's worth, um, you know, investing any time in, you know, and, and you listen back and you say, all right, you know, this is, I'm on to something. So then you start delving into it and you spend hours, you know, trying to figure out what the hell, where it's supposed to go. Cause it can go a million different places. And so, and then once you get that, you get some sort of demo, you're like, all right, this is all right. This is, this is good. And then you bring it to the band and you, and you show them the, you know, you show them the chords or whatever, and you, and you kind of work through it with them and you kind of lay out an outline of what you want it to sound like and the motion that you want to evoke. And then like a producer becomes involved and then it's up to everyone involved, the team that you now created to bring the song further. So like, be like, all right, this is the idea. What are each of us, each of our roles, what are they going to be to like make this better? Like, what are we going to do? Like, You do your part. I'm going to do my part. Producer, you do your part. And like, let's see if we can bring this to another level that I wouldn't have been able to bring it to on my own. And that's what you're doing when you ask people to work with you. And so, um, you know, I choose these guys very carefully. And so I felt like with that song in particular, um, you know, I had a guy named Don DeLego, who's a great musician. Uh, he was the producer of that. Um, and I felt like along with him and everyone else in, involved, we were able to bring that song into a place that I don't think I would have been able to bring it on my own. And, it, and I felt like it sort of captured... Um, it captured the essence of what I was trying to say and what I was trying, the, the emotion I was trying to evoke um, further. You know, like we use that, that uh, the, the, all the resources we have, the, the musicians, the studio, you know, microphones, vocals, whatever it was, we used it. We kept it simple still, but we were able to bring it further along to, you know, banging in that, like, an idea of what we were after or what I was after. And uh, I did this worked and I was really proud of that song, the way it came out. It, it, it was something, you know, that um, it was, it became, it came out much better than I initially thought, you know, it would. So it's that's the one tune. I'm most proud of. No, that Thanks was, man. It's a great tune. Yeah. Well, as, as we, you know, get towards the end, what are some bands, you know, that everybody, that we probably might not have heard of that we should be listening to. What are some that, you know, that you know of that are on your radar that should, on, that should be on everybody's radar. All right. So let's see. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a guy named Israel Nash. Have you heard this guy? Uh-uh. No, no. Uh, I don't think he's that well known. I, I actually don't really know. It's hard for me to gauge that nowadays, uh, but he has an album called list. Israel Nash lifted, and it's an amazing album. I've been listening to that a lot lately. Um, and I, my friend Don DeLego, he's incredible. He produced um, he produced uh, half those songs on that album. Um, Don DeLego and the Taristas, um, that's, his, that's his name, that's who he plays under. Um, he's great. Um, I actually think you guys really like it because it's kind of like, sort of like an all country sort of thing. Um, and he does it very well and he's got an amazing voice. Um, and, um, let's see, you know, uh, someone I actually been listening to a lot lately. He's been around forever and he's well known, but he's sort of like always just kind of like is below the radar of people's attention is, uh, is, uh, Bill Callahan. 
Um, and he's been, he has some new albums that came out recently. He's great. Like, he does his own thing and it's so unique and it's so good and it's so special. Um, so definitely check that, that out. Um, that's, that's pretty much what I've been into right now. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything, probably some stuff I'm forgetting, but, um, cool. well, who, who are some, ba- who are some bands you, you want to tour with? Oh man, I, I actually, you talk you guys are in, uh, Arkansas and a band that plays over that area a lot. Um, and they're actually from Memphis is, uh, Lucero. I love Lucero. Oh God. Uh, oh, you guys know about that? Oh, oh sure. yeah. Yeah. I think we've both seen Lucero a few yes. times. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. I, well, I really like them a lot. The the lead singer, he's from I think he's from Little Rock. So he, he yeah, I mean he yeah they whenever they're traveling they always come they come always, here for Christmas they come back year. here all the time. Yep. Yeah, yep. They have a Christmas show right. every year in Little Rock. Although probably not this year. Probably not this year. Yeah, so, I think I think he plays at uh, I think he plays at Whitewater Tavern yeah. a lot too. Yeah, he, he used to play at Juanitas whenever they're around, and yeah, they come to the Rev Room, which is the new uh, hot spot. Yep. So we cool. need to get you to come yeah. to the Rev Room. We're, 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 I mean, one of the questions I have is when we start touring, you, you actually, you have to come. I will, man. I, I actually, that excites me even to be talking about this because one of the things I love doing is like talking to people. I, I mostly book all my own tours, which is something I, I love to do because, well, I love some parts of it, but you really like talking to people like yourselves, the people that are sort of, connected in the communities where they live guys who just love music and you'll be like someone like yourself like you got to come here i'm like all right let's go put me in a conversation with the booker you know your buddy's in another band let's put the show together and make it happen and, and it's awesome um so yeah i i'm 100 down for that it's like when you know when the time comes we'll book that show and i'll book a whole tour going down there i'll go to memphis i love playing memphis too yeah. um i have a lot of buddies in memphis and memphis awesome people awesome. awesome music scene there yeah. I love that. I love that city. Um, another band, um, and this is just like someone that I've always admired that uh, he just, I, I feel like uh, we're like kindred spirits or something. It's Chuck Reagan. You guys listen to Chuck Reagan at all? I've not heard Chuck oh. Reagan. I'm not, I've got like he six was, new albums to listen to. <laughs> Chuck Reagan, I've not heard. Chuck Reagan's awesome, man. He was in a band called Hot Water Music. Uh, oh, like a God, punk yeah, band. Hot Water Trump. Music. Yeah, of course. All yeah. right, so Chuck Reagan has like a solo thing now. Um, you know, I would say Hot Water Music, but I wouldn't fit on a bill with them. But Hot Water Music is an incredible band. Yeah. Um, and so Chuck Reagan, you know, plays uh, like a solo, does a solo thing. He has been for a little while now. And he's just like, I've talked to him a few times. He's just like an awesome guy. And I, I just feel like he's been such an inspiration to me since I was a young kid. I've, you know, I've seen, I've seen Hot Water Music uh, at a Chinese restaurant where there was like 10 people. This would yeah. be this place that bands, I saw him with Converge. And, and or music and piebald, I think, just was playing the show. And it was like, you know, it was like 15 people. It was awesome. It, yeah. nah. But that band has meant a lot to me since I was young. And he has always meant a lot to me uh, since I was young. So I would love to play a show uh, with him. Um, there's so many people. There's so many bands and people that, that just mean a lot to me that it would just mean so much to play with them. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I can, the, list, the list is long, my friend. Cool. <laughs> cool. What's your, um, one of the things Aaron and I talked about a long time ago was favorite shows we've ever seen. Do you have a top three or a favorite show you've ever seen live? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, 
the, um, the the one that comes to mind quickest is the first time I ever saw Nick Cave. And um, I've, thought, I've seen a lot of different types of shows. And, uh, you know, I've always been drawn to, like, uh, the hardcore shows. I've, like a band like Bane. I don't know if you have ever heard of a band called Bane. If you haven't, you should listen to them. Uh, they're awesome. And they, I was lucky enough that they were playing all the time in the area where I live. And, you know, the singer was just so, was always in the co- uh, in the crowd, just, you know, just like so captivating to watch. And you were just always on your heels, you know, just waiting to see what would happen next. And um, so what I felt like uh, when Nick Cave was doing, he just like incorporated all the elements of everything that I loved about all the live bands I've seen. It was like he was like a preacher, just like crazy, like devil preacher. That was like almost like, you know, approaching like a hardcore thing. Like I remember the first time I saw him, he like was like stepping out in the crowd and just like grabbed my shirt. And he was like, I just remember looking up and seeing his face and he was like standing, his, his foot was on my shoulder. And I remember looking up to him and just like, just being an odd. My mouth, you know, I'd seen so many shows at that point, but that I was just, I never felt that way at a show. He just like had me completely in awe. And um, I was just completely captivated from beginning to end. Um, and prior to the show starting, this guy next to me says, have you ever seen Nick before? And I was like, no, man, this is my first time. He was like, oh, my God. He's like, the first time I ever saw Nick, someone told me, when Nick plays, you just go. And I've been going every time he comes to town. And, and he's like, you're going to do the same. every Now, he's like, I told you, every time Nick Cave comes to town, you just go. He's like, now you're going to do that. Now I do. I do. Every time I go, every time he comes to town when I'm in, I just go to the show. And um, so that one was it. And then I, that one was a great one. I, then I would say another really awesome show that will always like live in my memory um, is I saw the Bad Brains play oh um, God, in Worcester. Bad Brains. Such a good band. And I don't know if it was like, so awesome. I was like, they, they, were, they meant a lot to me growing up. And I don't remember if, no, it was, so they had to play, I don't know if it was a legality thing, but it was like the original, it was pretty much the full original lineup and they had to play into the soul brain. So it was the bad brain. Uh, so it must've been like a, a legality thing with yeah. like a label or something, but that was awesome. And the other band that played that night was the Chromed, uh, which was like, that blew me away too. Um, those, that was a great show. And then I'd say the other show that sort of blew me away, um, with Sonic Youth. I saw Sonic Youth. I was in college and they played in like Northampton. I went to um, UMass Amherst and they were playing um, in Northampton. So me and a couple of friends, we made the drive and I had liked them a little bit, a few songs, but I couldn't really get into it wholeheartedly. And it really took me seeing that live show and Thurston Moore, like the stuff that he was doing on the guitar. And I was just blown away. It all made sense. Once I saw that band live, their albums made sense to me. Whereas before I, I couldn't latch onto their album uh, in the way that I w- was trying to. And uh, so that was like a really monumental show for me to see. Cool. Those are the ones that come to mind. Those are good ones. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta listen to bad brains. Okay. I have not heard of bad brains. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. There you it's go. Like, okay. Oh, they're I awesome. Fuck. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. They're <a> special band. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, they changed. They changed the playing field. I, I could have given you any album, and he would have agreed with me almost. Like, yeah. yeah, you two are. <laughs> you have, you know, the funny part is, we have a lot in common, but you have a lot. You two have a yeah. lot in common. You guys grew up uh, through a lot of the same music, but it, it is funny how music uh, genres cross uh, in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, definitely, totally. Yep. 
Well, where can uh, where can everybody find you out on the internet? Well, so the the easiest way is to go to radiatorkingmusic.com. Uh, and so like everything's there, all the social bullshit is all there. You can go to all of it. And then, you know, uh, Radiator King Music on Insta- Instagram and then uh, Radiator King on Facebook. Uh, it's all there. Um, so those are probably the best places, I think, to find and you can buy everything that you need there. to get. You can buy the music there, the new albums there. Buy the music. It is, yeah. Vinyl? Anyway, it's available. It's available on vinyl. I've got to get you guys a copy. When I come to Arkansas, yep. you get a copy of the so album. Aaron so it's and on I vinyl. I'm getting into vinyl. And so I, 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 I'm in the process of figuring out. Uh, uh, I'm hooking up my new my record player in the new setup, so I'm going to buy buy a vinyl from the the website because I'm uh, I'm digging uh, having vinyl. And so. I I just packed up all my vinyl. I know you did. Getting ready for a move. And I know. So we're we're digging on that. So we're we're definitely going to have to. It's do the that. biggest pain you have to move your vinyl collection, isn't oh, it? My the God. worst. He, all you all you got to have is milk crates. That's the best thing you can have for <laughs> yeah for, for moving yeah. vinyl. But f- finding those fucking yep. milk crates are, are pain in the ass. Well, yeah, they don't make milk that way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. So uh, this has been this has been um, this has one been one of the coolest conversations I've had in a super long time. Is there any same here, guys? Like we've covered every single topic, but I feel like we've left something on the floor. But Aaron, any topics you that we missed? Um, or Adam, anything you missed? I'm, I'm trying to think of something. I'm out of topics. I'm d- I'm just looking at your merch right now, and I definitely will be getting the uh, the devil and skull uh, dice shirt because that is like some old school tattoo flash. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, I don't, I don't know if you can tell. Totally but I, I'm I'm covered in tattoos. He and, is covered. Well, you are wearing clothes. I can't like tell. To thank you. But I, I need I need that sh- I need that shirt in my you're life. You're also in shadow witness protection I mean, on it, the Zoom call. It, I mean, it has. Okay, so well then you should get that shirt. Let me let me paint a picture of what the shirt has. It has two switchblades on it, a pair of snake eye dice, uh, like an old Anya mask, and then the classic skull and bone with yeah, a top no, I saw with it. a top hat. I Fuck. spent a lot of time on his website. I, I will, I'm, uh, I'm working on the vinyl. I knew the answer, <laughs> answer to that question beforehand. I'm I'm working on the vinyl, so I'm going to get the. I'll, 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 be, the I'll begin that. Oh yeah, guys. Yep the the website's nice. It's uh, it's well set up and it's easy. So um, definitely check that out. Thanks, uh, man. Glad you guys dig it. So a couple things we need to cover um, away from music for a second, or one away from music. First of all, um, those who didn't know, um, the raffle for <laughs> the uh, bottle of Ron Zacapa and the, all the cigars uh, for the charity that uh, Fidel was running. Yes. Uh, you'll find this hard to believe. Uh, I won. Yes. And, uh, and we know full well that you aren't going to take that, and I wouldn't let you take that. No, I'm so, not. So what we're going to do is we're going to be- We're going to add some stuff to it. We're going to be adding stuff to it. We actually we also have other people adding to it as well. Yeah. Um, we're going to pay it forward. We're going to be rerunning the raffle again. I don't know yeah. the timeline. We're going to just- I'm going to leave that up to you. Yeah, but we're, it's we're, for we're, a charity for the, for the young lady who's got cervical cancer, and so we're- we're going to do that and we're check for announcements that come mm-hmm. out this weekend after this podcast drops. Yeah. We're going to run another raffle, uh, donations for her, uh, care. And, and so we're, and we're going to add some stuff to it. It's got a, it's got a bottle of Ron Zacapa and I'm crying a little bit inside, but <laughs> I cannot win the next time. 
Uh, it's got the Davidoff sampler. It's got a box of... Uh, it's got some Ashton. Ashtons. It's got some uh, other single cigars. It's got the three coasters. It's got a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's going to have a, a, a Zycar travel humidor. Yep. It's got, it's got a fuck cancer cigar from Nigel. I know for sure it's got some personal stuff from you and I. Yeah. It so is, it, it is what is called a jumbo prize package. It's going to be massive. It's, it's going, whoever wins it, it's going to be multiple boxes yep. when we, when yep. we ship it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things, you know, we, we were, you know, we have no vested interest in in taking a, a prize like this. It's yeah. you know, cancer. It, it fucking cancer sucks. sucks. You know, my my yeah. brother has uh, has dealt with it. Um, yeah. You know, shit's going on right now. You know, this is the least that we can do. You know, it's you know, I've I've never met that couple, but they're and good. Fr- the, but they're good friends yeah. with Fidel and Sarah. And honestly, that's all I needed to know. That's all I need uh, to know. To yeah. to to we love you know, Fidel. Yeah, to to push this. And so, Sarah. So this is something we that we're more. yeah we're I mean we're 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 glad that we can help it, it in any way that we can. You know, we mm. we have a we have this platform for a reason. You know, and one of the reasons is to you know help somebody who who is in need. Um, so we are we're gonna you know do another raffle. We'll we'll decide on you know stuff. Yeah. Um, also, too, for everybody who has already entered into the last one, uh, you're autom- you're automatically going to be into this yep. one again as well. So all the all the yep. donations that you've done, yep. we're just going to roll that over into the next one. But you know, enter again more. Uh, so so we'll do yeah. that um yeah so it's really and i cool. will not be entered in the next one because no. i am the luckiest motherfucker alive apparently <laughs> you i win everything you are it was funny because like you texted me and you're like call me i'm like well i i, I could i was for the record to- i tried to call you first but i forget well, you kids don't pick up the phone I, well me so what we were doing at that time was we were going over our mortgage to, our mortgage papers and then i, mo- to, I am your wife and then mo work. got a mo got a thing from work she was like hey call mark i'm like okay and doing that so it, it, it was funny um, so we got that going on. Um, another thing I know today is a hard day for you. Yep. I'm glad you're fucking here. Me too. October 1st can kiss ass. You can, but thank fuck. Thank fuck. Though. So um, when this drops, it will be about the approximate time that you texted me. Thank fuck. After I survived the shooting in Vegas. So. Yeah. So, so there you go. I, um, I thought about that today. And yep. Obviously on my timeline is all the pictures of me drinking beer in las vegas yeah um not knowing all, 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 the, all the good stuff before right. shit hit the fan right right but no i'm 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 glad you're here because without Thank you, you with, with i know i i still say i mean as big as you are the guy was a horrible shot it was um, i mean that's you know my, yeah, adam probably doesn't know that but i was at the shooting it it in las vegas so adam aaron's joke is that that guy uh uh, as big as I am, which I'm fairly large, uh, he must have been a bad shot to miss me. But uh, I was actually at the shooting <laughs> in Las Vegas, which is three years. So my uh, I can't believe it's already been three years. Three years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, that so, must have been scary, man. I'm, I'm it glad, was. I'm glad you're here, buddy. Yeah, me too. Thanks. I'm glad you're here too, man. Thank you. So, what so else? when this drops, it will be about the approximate time that you texted me the infamous uh, uh, text <laughs> After you asked me if I was okay, and then four hours I responded later that I was, yeah. and Aaron texted me back, 
Thank fuck. Because I mean, I get up at four every morning and yeah. like, I saw the news before anybody yeah. else. I'm like, what, I mean, what's going on? And then I'm like, fucking just text me back. You motherfucker, <laughs> just anything. And then I, oh, man. You, you sent, you sent me like, we're okay. And that's when I said, thank fuck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. What else yeah. we got? Um, so we are a cigar yeah. show. Um, I'm done with my cigar. How yes. was yours? Was it good? I have no idea. <laughs> my cigar I've was good. the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good cigar. It was the Avo Ritmo. Um, yeah. it's, I'm sure it was nice. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, Great uh, here's what I know: uh, a good cigar with great conversation is great. A bad cigar with great conversation is great. I've enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. This has been totally amazing. Yep. So, Adam, the way we end every show is total nonsense. Total fucking nonsense. We're going to ask. <laughs> I love gonna, nonsense. We're going to ask you a question for a million dollars. You get that million dollars one time only if you accept what is on the cards. <laughs> Yeah, that could go to yeah. A, all right, that, that like someone's on the card. Yeah, so I have two cards in my hand: a question and a scenario. It seems so easy yet. Seems so easy yet. You don't know what happens. Yes. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Million dollars. Let's do it. Whenever you're right. whenever Let's you're go. hungry, when, whenever you're hungry, you must <laughs> you must call the person you're talking to, daddy, and sit on their lap. <laughs> so that's not necessarily a problem for me but i'm 350 pounds plus that's gonna be a problem for everybody i'm talking to so neither one of you are big enough to have my fat ass sitting on your lap so i'm just gonna point that out adam is nowhere big enough for me to be sitting on his lap he's like a normal sized guy you're you're a little bit big i'm 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 the i'm the median size right uh i'm i'm hungry a lot i am too I would take. I, too, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would take. I would take it. Um, I'm taking it a second. Right, Adam's taking it in a second. I have a professional job. How much could you tour with a million dollars? How far? How far would that get you? Yeah. Oh man, that would get me pretty far, man. That really far. <laughs> or or be one amazing tour. I don't know. Yeah. Right. What great tour? Um, hookers yeah. and blow, hookers and blow, a lot of hookers and blow for me. <laughs> exactly. I have a professional. That's job. what I'm thinking about right now. I, I could not call people daddy and sit on their laps. I have women I worked with who that would get me fired like within about five seconds. So then the way, so the way you circumvent that is you're just always like snacking throughout the day. Then, but oh, that would make me 500 pounds. That's a great solution. That's that's. There's no upside for this on me. I'd have to quit my job. Once again, a million dollars is not enough for me to retire. So you're saying no? I'm saying no. I'm saying yeah. Adam, you're saying yeah. I think he's one hundred percent yes. I mean, it wouldn't even be weird in my in my line of work. I'm about to yeah. say that that's just Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, just right. This, this is a day in the life, man. <laughs> weird shit's always happening out there on the road. Right. Well, when, whenever we have you back on, we we want to hear. Uh, stories from the road. How about that? Yeah, well, that's a question we sh- we should have asked that next time when you start touring again. Uh, when uh, we'd love to have you back on um, next album for sure. This yeah, has man. been amazing. You are um, you're you're a cool guy. I love the new album. This is um, this has been a great deal of fun. Thank for you me so personally. much, um, and you are like uh, Nick promised a music geek, and you are like. You are totally, you are totally, uh, you're totally in our, our space. We uh, couldn't have loved this conversation more. So, um, so thank yeah, you right back much. at you guys. You guys are good dudes and I appreciate what you do. 
and I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate Nick Gervais for uh, being the awesome guy that he is and making this happen. That was really yep. fucking thoughtful of him to even you know think to suggest this. So I'm I'm grateful all around. Yeah, I mean he 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 made us think outside the box and actually yeah. you know want and bring in an actual artist since we do geek out about music so much. Yeah. You know it was th- this show right here was all his idea. Yep. Um, so it was a great you, idea on Nick's you, part. Yeah, you can, but we're not telling Nick that. <laughs> They'll go right to his head. Cheers <laughs> to that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, my first fake ID was Nick Gervais' expired ID. And I got in trouble for it. That, was, <laughs> that is the best. That's, that's a true story right there. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's like the best way to end the show. <laughs> that is awesome. There you go. There you go. That is great. Thank you very much for your time. We look forward to the next time. Uh, good luck on the, the new album. I'm sure it's going to do well. If if folks who are listening to this have not uh, downloaded or uh, bought the album, you need to. This album is kick-ass. It is great. Yeah, again, that's uh, the band, Radiator Kings. The album is Unborn Ghost. Check out the whole discography. Just yep. check them all out. Yep, I like um, the old stuff too. Yeah, I mean, this again, this album is so good. There, There's a song for you on this album there yep. it, it, it spans the whole like you say you know you smoke the rainbow this album is a rainbow there's a song for anybody yep. on this album and unless, it's just unless you know, all you like is shitty music and then probably not but i think <laughs> if you like good music there's there's more than one song on here yeah, for you yeah so like, th- thanks for you know taking some time out i'm i'm sorry that you you had to do this on a uh, a wednesday instead because you know your celtics lost but wow uh, dude you had to end there <laughs> i mean right i mean it was i was a tough one boy patriots won right i assume you're a patriots fan the patriots beat the the raiders oh yeah call up Caleb. they did yeah yeah i mean too, i mean too bad the chiefs are going to run the yep. gamut now yeah Socks are terrible. I don't even. The socks have done this year. I, I, I stopped watching them the first week into the season. They Cardinals. Stopped. Cardinals won today. But, He's a Chiefs uh, Royals fan. I'm, so I'm, a, I'm a Chiefs. I'm going to remind guy. him that my Cardinals won today. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Although you guys own. There you us go. In every it was a, game a big success. Well, j- just think. I mean, if you know, since the since the. Uh, Celtics didn't win, you know, you won't have the asterisk next to the, uh, the championship because of, because it's a weird season. Yeah, so. You wouldn't want to, you, win. you wouldn't, you wouldn't want an asterisk oh, ne- next to that. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I always want to win. No, I don't care if it's a damn asterisk or not. You can, you can put a big caveat. You can write a bullet. <laughs> you can, I don't care. I just want to win. You just want to win. Highlight it, capitalize it. I don't care. I want the damn trophy. Yeah. Man, thanks so much for being on the show. We yeah. uh, we really appreciate <laughs> this it. This is the uh, best. Yeah, make sure thanks everybody, for having me, guys. Yeah, everybody, check uh, you know check them out. Check out you know the website. Uh, check out you know make sure you buy the album, um, buy the shirt. It's a badass shirt. There's also another one with a with an old school revolver. I don't know which one I'm gonna. Hit. I'll probably get fucking both. Yeah, but it uh, sounds like you. It sounds like me. But uh, yeah. <laughs> again, thank you so much. We we really appreciate it um, for you know taking time out for Run, guys. Yeah, it's been a blast. Show. So all right, we will see everybody next week. Later. Later.